Hey guys, this is Jason, and you are about to hear a blockbuster epic flashback episode, flashback, on the Gehenna Stone Affair from the Wolverine Solo series. But before we get there, I have a small teensy-weensy disclaimer to make. Disclaimer, I barely know her. Um, anyway, um, the wonderful and delightful Al Sedano, um, a podcaster who I admire, uh, you know, from such shows as... Yeah, the Thanos Resurrections, the Thanos and Adam Warlock podcast, and he's uh, been with our buddy John Wilson on the New Fifty Two pod- Superman podcast. Anyway, just just a guy I've enjoyed getting to know on Twitter and through podcasting, and you know, I was really excited to have him on, and he came on and gave us a glorious two plus hours. And I gotta tell you, folks, he brought his A game, and you know, I is. As weird as it is to say about yourself, you know, brought my A game, I feel like, as much as I normally do. However, however much you feel that that is as my listener, um, that's, you know, a, I was pretty par for the course. My computer, however, brought its A whole game. Um, you know, I, you may have noticed on a few of the last few episodes that been some technology issues and I thought I had everything fixed. I really did. I, I tried and I, I worked on it and I thought it was good. The things that I thought was wrong. Turns out probably wasn't really what was wrong. <laughs> Turns out what I think was actually the problem, which had a very duh facepalm moment when I kind of realized what was going on. I think my computer was just too full and that was causing some glitching in when I was doing recording and Skype at the same time. Just too much of a strain on the the computer with not enough memory left over to process it. So anyway, I cleaned up my computer. Everything should be good now. Got rid of a bunch of stuff and, you know, should be good to go. And the only reason I bring this up is because, because Al gave us so much of his time and because he had so many good things to say, I feel really bad that there are parts of it where it's kind of glitchy and... I think for the most part, I was able to, to do some editing to kind of fix it, but also there's some stuff I just couldn't work around. But for the, I mean, it's not that bad for the most part. You can understand everything he says and everything I say, but there are a couple of places where it gets like, and so I apologize to the listener, but more than that, I apologize to Al because, you know, it sucks. <laughs> but... That said, the disclaimer is it's still a really, really good episode. And so I hope that you can forgive a couple of glitches and just really enjoy the content, which is you know, pretty fantastic. If not for me, then definitely from Al. So anyway, uh, that's enough babbling and whining. I hope you enjoy the episode, and here you go. FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains Huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason. I left Madripoor for this, Venable, and I'm joined by first-time flashback guest... Al, I sure could use Colossus about now. Sedano. Hey, Al. How you doing? Good. How are you? Oh, good. Yeah, Colossus used to talk. He can listen. Awesome. I have a bunch of heavy things, plus jars. Right. And he gets those suckers (laughs) right off. (laughs) 
Exactly. So, hey, tonight we're going to talk about the Gehenna Stone Affair, a six-part, I guess, epic <laughs> from the Wolverine solo series uh, brought to us by Peter, David, and company. And, um, yeah, so I've been really enjoying just kind of, I don't know, bantoring with, uh, with Al on Twitter, and we've had a lot of just comic discussions, and I knew he had done some, or he still does a lot of podcasting, and you're kind of yep. all over the place. Why don't you give just a, I'll let you do like full plugs at the end. We just want to kind of give a, a brief recap and kind of where people can find you. Oh, the main place to find me is uh, my main show. There's, there's a second one coming up, but we'll go to that later. But the main show is Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast, which is all about, well, if you read Marvel, you have a clue. Thanos and Adam Warlock. <laughs> it, it, the, the name's in the title. It's not really secret. Yeah. yeah. It's not like you guess, well, what could this be about? Right. It's about Adam Warlock and Thanos. Mostly the Bronze Age stuff, but we also do some of the more current stuff as well. Yeah, I saw you had one recently about uh, Thanos in the movie, right? Yes. Yeah. That was the most recent episode. It's episode 60, Thanos in the MCU. We talk about their use of him there and, you know, things that they teased and what you know talking about hope what we hope for awesome yeah i have that that queued up to listen to a little bit later so um, cool yeah so yeah so i definitely wanted to have him on and just kind of talk about some stuff so i don't know if i'm uh you know um bumming you out or giving you a relief that there's absolutely no cosmic stuff at all in this series but um <laughs> it's a change of pace there's nothing wrong with yeah that. yeah give you a little break so, um, cleanser. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So the Kahina stone affair takes place in a Wolverine issues 11 through 16. But before we get to that, since Al is a first time guest on the podcast and, you know, you may have covered some of this to various degrees on, on other shows, but when I have first time guests, I kind of like to do like a, a brief origin story. So, why don't you just tell a little bit about kind of how you got into comics, how you discovered comics, you know, it's kind of how that yeah, all started for you. Well, I've always been a big into reading, especially since I was little and occasionally, you know, Rebels give me things, books and stuff they'd have. And occasionally I would get some comics and I would read those. And I had this one uncle who worked in something involving recycling and he would get some, he got like the comics, some of them that were returns and some where they were just, brought back and he would have stacks of them because he was trying to sell them he didn't have any interest in the books he just was looking for monetary value <laughs> he's like anything that's i have doubles of or the covers ripped or whatever you can take and then you can take it so i get stuff to read and eventually at one point i was like uh maybe 11 not probably 11 or 12 and i finally got like that little light bulb over my head it's like you know these things each month like you could get keep getting one book you can go out and buy them and keep getting the story as opposed to just this one here that one there right and i went out to get my the book that was the one that i really wanted to get the most of which was at the time power pack okay because i had issue three which i read to the point where that covered off and (laughs) at the point of that i the new issue i got was 30 so this is like a few months before fall the mutants is like 87 and 33 at Sunspot and Warlock, so that led me to getting Newman's and X-Men, nice. and shortly after X-Factor. So, going with this podcast, which is Wolverine, I mean, I had a, maybe a few issues that had Wolverine in it, but the first thing I really started reading with Wolverine was X-Men, right. Uncanny, because at the time it was just one X-Men book. Didn't matter if you called it Uncanny or X-Men. <laughs> right, yeah. Same book. 
227, the all the mutants where they all die and go to Australia. Nice. Okay. And then started going on from there. And now with limited budget, of course, you had a, as a kid, you had to pick and choose what you were getting. So actually, when this series came out, Wolverine, I didn't buy it because at the same time, Excalibur was starting. Right. And that had Kitty and Nightcrawler and Rachel, who were three of my three ones I really liked a lot. So right. it's like, well, I already got Wolverine and X-Men. So yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm going to get the book. They're not in. I'm gonna, you know, they're not in that book. I'm going to get the book, these characters that I can't get anywhere else. Yeah, it was, it was just simple math, right? Yeah, I think I started buying Wolverine. Well, Wolverine was like an off and on title, like I'll get for a year or two and then go back again. I think when I really started was around the third, like the forties, okay, thirty. LCD and Albert. Yeah, yeah, Albert, and, lead, and leading he, up to the fifty and all the kind yeah, of the first 50. round of like Weapon X revelations. I remember having 48, 49, 50, and then I didn't get it for a while. And I know I got a chunk for a while, like around 90 to 100 or so. And I also have a whole run he had nose when he was like feral. Oh, yeah, yeah. The bone claws and all that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, he, like, he lost his humanity. He was like an animal. And he had like, that's, a, that's the big joke I'm reading. Is like people are like, he has no nose. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes, we will get there someday. <laughs> So probably yeah. years from and that just ex- like all comics that kind of exploded from there. I went to you know Inferno happened afterwards, and then I started doing a bunch of other Marvel stuff because tie-ins and eventually we see, and then also a bunch of indie stuff. Cool, very cool. Yeah, well, so I normally I follow that up with what was your first kind of run-ins or impressions of Wolverine, but you kind of already answered that. You kind of found him uncanny. What were your initial yeah. kind of reactions to the character? Oh, I liked him. Wolverine was cool because, like, the first two I really remember, actually, I just remembered was that two twenty-seven, and also one of the ones I had before I started getting was a uh, two hundred five, which is the one where he, uh, I think it was two hundred five or no two hundred two hundred five or two hundred seven. I think it's the one where it's the cover of Wolverine like slashing the cover at the end of the issue. He stabs Rachel in the stomach. Oh yeah, the John Romina Jr. era. Yeah, yeah. I mean. He was cool. He was awesome. He was badass. I mean, he was dying, and he still was, <laughs> you know, scary. Right. You know, so I always liked him. I mean, I remember when Gambit first showed up, and, like, they first do, like, it was, like, right after Muir Island, I think. It was, like, 277, and, like, they have a danger room fighting. Gambit kicks his ass, and I was like, no, <laughs> no, 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 you don't get to do beat a Wolverine. Right, exactly. Because there were certain lines, like, no, no, you can't have him stronger, be, be better than Wolverine. <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, like who's this new jerk <laughs> right the new kid on the block coming in being all cool with his little trench coat yeah and now Gambit's like an old character <laughs> yeah yeah he uh, just showed up in the uh the new x-men gold book so we'll see what what happens with him yeah that's awesome cool well um any other comments you want to make kind of about your your comics from Wolverine Origin? You want to go ahead and jump into the books? Uh, jump into the books. I can't think of anything else right now. I mean, I can just wax on about issues I read, but... Yeah, that's cool. There's no point. All right. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, the Gehenna Stone Affair starts with issue number 11. So there's a little oh. bit... Sorry, go on. No, go ahead. What's up? I was going to say, I do remember this era, though. I don't know if you were getting stuff at the time or... 
how old you are or whatever. But I do remember this is around the time because it's the, this was the uh, t- summer t- time when Marvel at this time was doing all bi-weekly on their big books. Yes. So Wolverine, Uncanny X-Men, Amazing Spider-Man, yeah. probably Punisher, all were having <laughs> these six, seven-part stories that were, you know, to go out throughout the whole summer because they were all bi-weekly. Right. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because... You know, the Gehenna Stone affair, and I kind of think of, you know, what that means and, you know, kind of what's going on. And so concurrent to this, with that bi-weekly kind of, not like the line-wide events, but kind of the little events in, the, in each individual magazine. Exactly. You know, you have the Bloodstone hunt, which was going on in Captain America at the same time. That's right. And then you have um, the assassination plot, which was going on in... um. Amazing, Amazing Spider-Man. And it's, it's interesting kind of reading these all together now. Not that the stories are the same or rip off or anything, but the tones to them are all very kind of similar. And just kind of that, oh, you know, it's kind of the end of the 80s, like it's the summer of 89. We're kind of wrapping the 80s up, getting ready to move to the 90s. But there's that kind of, all of them kind of have that sense of like late 80s kind of high adventure, right? And we're going to see a lot of that in this story as well, um, lots of comparisons, you know, I don't know how you read it, but lots of comparisons to like Indiana Jones and James Bond. Oh, and, well, obviously, but yeah, yeah, definitely Indiana Jones. It feels like that kind of like, this would almost be like a Wolverine. Like this is like its own little self-contained whole movie thing, you know, adventure movie. Yeah. Featuring Wolverine. Yeah, it would it'd make a great little movie, I think, but I don't, I don't want to spoil my opinion on it too much. Um, but yeah, no, so, but Gehenna also is a, is a biblical reference by Peter David. Um, at this point, Peter David's very into, like, supernatural stuff, um, and does fairly well with it. Um, Gehenna was kind of synonymous with hell in the Old Testament, if you're a Bible reader guy. Um, it translates to Lake of Fire, and it was kind of this idea of this place outside of Jerusalem, where it's almost like a mass grave kind of place. So anyway, that's where that comes from. Um, we'll see in the issues, it just kind of is synonymous with evil, basically. But yeah, so there's a lot of that. So so Peter David coming into this, if you remember a few episodes, or not a few episodes, but a few flashback episodes ago, you know, we talked about Wolverine number nine, which was Peter David's fill-in issue right before the end of Claremont's run. And it was kind of a terrible issue, and I weren't sure... As a reader, does he get Wolverine? I'm not, you know, just a little bit of question mark. But at the same time as all this is going on, Peter David is smack in the middle, kind of the apex of his just glorious, incredible Hulk run. Which that I loved. It's, I, you know, I'm reading a lot of it for the first time. I had bits and pieces of it as a kid, but thanks to Marvel Unlimited, I'm able to kind of read it from start to finish. Kind of as I go, awesome. like I said, I go through my flashbacks, kind of reading them together. Like, together. Yeah. And uh, man, that that Hulk run is everything it was hyped up to be. It's so good. Do you know what that would be then right around here? Do you remember? Um, so it's right around the time. It's after, right after Betty had the miscarriage. I'm trying to remember what oh, I, okay. I last read. And um the Mr. Fix-It thing's kind of crashing down around him. He's kind of been discovered. So he's still Grey Hulk, but he's kind of worn out his welcome in Vegas. So I think... The so, issue... Sorry. 
No, no. I, just, I think the issue is he's about to leave Vegas and go on and do something else, which I don't know what it is yet. So, so this would be right around the time I started reading that because I this is the issues like of Glorian and the Shaper of Worlds. Yes, yeah. Include, yeah, I read those ones. I had like scattered issues, and then I really started reading with like a few issues later, like three, few, and the Countdown story, which okay. I'm not going to tell you anything about Countdown except Countdown rocked. I'm almost there. Yeah, and that's coming up pretty soon. So, looking forward to that. Um, I know it involves a lot of like just really classic Hulk bad guys. So. Yeah, plus, Dil- that's where Dale Keown comes on the Hulk. Oh, nice. That'll be exciting. Because yeah. his, his run is also really good. Though, I think this Jeffrey Purvis guy, who I didn't really know, um, I, I don't really ever hear anybody talk about him. His art is really, really good. At least, it really, really fits the Hulk really well. Well, it fit the Grey Hulk in Vegas really well, I thought. And I remember looking him up. I don't think he really did much else in comics beyond that. No, I don't think so, which is weird, because I thought he was really good. But but he was good for that kind of thing. I don't think he would have been good for the era that Dale Keown came on, which was more a different type, and it wasn't in Vegas. But like for that kind of story, yeah, he was perfect for it. I mean, I could see him definitely doing like issues of like criminal or you know some kind of like, like one of those Bendis, you know, uh, crime noir books or things oh, like yeah. that. Yeah, that'd be cool. Or some kind of mon- even like monster esque book. Yeah, I can see that. Cool. Well, like you said, right on the cover of number eleven, we have now on sale twice a month. So we're kicking off the summer season. Um, let's see our credits for number eleven. Beginning the Gehenna Stone Affair is written by Peter David. We still have regular Wolverine penciler John Mishima. Eat by Bill Sinkevich. Lettered by Ken Brusniak, colors by Mark Chirello, maybe. Um, and this chapter is Brothers Keeper. And we get a slew of covers here in a row by Kevin Nolan, which is kind of his first foray into to Wolverine art. Um, I'm a, a Nolan fan, um, all the way up to his current stuff on Green Lantern. Um, it's like he does he does creepy really good. Yes, he does. His Wolverine looks a little off to me. Yeah, I can see that. Like it's a little weird, but his creepy is good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so on this first cover, we have Wolverine crawling. Um, I think he's probably just shirtless, but the way the perspective and the way he's kind of covered up by all these demons, it almost feels like he's crawling out of a primordial ooze, like he might be naked. But um, he's got like green and pink demons all around him, and he's reaching for this crystal. And that kind of is, immediately you're like, oh, what's this going to be about? And it's called the Gehenna Stone Affair. It's on the cover, so you assume that's what he's reaching for, but who knows what it means, right? So um, I don't know. If, and the cover's pretty good, but it definitely piques your interest. I don't know if it's the best cover of this this little run here, but it definitely I would have seen this, you know, and been like, hey, yeah, I want to read that. I mean, thinking? it's memorable. I remember the cover when you first mentioned the series to me. I can more or less have an idea what you're what you're talking about because I remember those. Awesome. So it does stick out. Very cool. All right. Well, so in this one, in San Fran, some creepy guys try to steal the Gehenna Stone, but it breaks, so they eat the security guard for dinner instead. Meanwhile, back at the Princess Bar, a sulking Archie interrupts Patch's game of darts with a woeful tale of his crazy California brother with an overactive imagination who is about to be committed by their sister. 
Archie's dad was rich, but they didn't get along, so when Pops kicked the bucket, he left brother Bert everything, which just made him more eccentric. The sister Ruthie wants the dough, so she wants Bert declared incompetent as a human being. Archie asks Patch to come with him to California. In a weird game of bar fight chance, Patch and Jessica Drew both agree to go along. They fly home and meet the brother who seems fine and promises to be punctual to court. After they leave, Bert admires a glowing rock. Which, you know, maybe that's what was in the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Jessica visits her old office with a new client from the museum stumbles in. He relays the story from the first few pages, but with the revelation that the Gehenna Stone proved to be a fake, meaning the real one is still missing. An ex-Spider-Woman is on the case. The next day, Bert is away to court. Sibling rivalry tempers flare between Archer and Ruthie. Then Bert crashes into the courthouse on horseback with an army of feral creepy guys on his tail. And that's our first part. Yeah, there is a lot of story. Yeah, a whole lot of story. Um, a, lot, a lot of cool stuff. So, I will say, you know, I kind of I was reading my issues, but I also kind of looked at the uh, Marvel Unlimited um, to get ready to take some screenshots and stuff, which I'll put on Twitter once I release the episode. And you know, a lot of times. I, you know, I prefer to kind of look at the kind of difference in the colors. So the colors in this book seem a little off, but they look really good in the digital copy. So there's definitely oh, a distinct kind of difference there. Um, I really like this first panel, not the first panel, but the title page uh, where Wolverine's playing darts. Uh, something about that just looks really cool to me. He looks like he's just goofing around because he's like standing very straight up, like with the hand behind his back holding the other yeah. cigarette in his mouth, of course. Yeah, fedora, leather jacket. Looks like Indiana Jones with mutton yeah. chops. <laughs> well, yeah, well, considering the tone of the story, that makes sense. Although he's not Indiana Jones, actually. <laughs> right, yeah. Of course, again, he throws some bullseyes backwards. But yeah, no, I thought, thought this was a pretty interesting issue. What do you have any. Uh, any highlights, anything that just kind of jumped out or stuck out to you? Yeah, this is enjoyable for an issue. I liked it. It definitely was a great setup. Gave me an idea what go, what's going on in Poor. You know, gave me an idea who Archie is, because this is the first time I'm really reading, as far as I can remember, reading anything with him. Right. I did like the little comical thing of Wolverine pulling darts against somebody where he threw all three darts on top of each other. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And like, and like you said, the little... Uh, bet of whether or not he would go to San Francisco with him because there's they're walking past a bar and some guy gets kicked out and Wolverine just gets involved by just picking he doesn't go fight he just picks the guys up he's like are you gonna take that abuse and he kind of encourages the guy to go back in and then the guy gets kicked out again he's like one more round <laughs> like, okay look guy comes out the window wait which is it yeah yeah because if he yeah. comes out the window guys I'll go the door, with you I stay out the window I go with you yeah and the guy comes crashing through the window. And he's like, all right. Yeah, here I thought you'd have what it took. Consider our <laughs> partnership dissolved. This is Peter David's mark. This is the, the yes. humor. Yeah, it's, it's Peter David to the max. Which is funny because one of the notes I wrote down was that, um, you know, Peter David took kind of the same type of story 
that Claremont has been doing in the series so far, kind of almost, it was a certain kind of 80s noir that we got in the 80s that was kind of a reflection on on old stuff. Um, you know, that was kind of popular. Um, you saw in a lot of fiction and, and novels and stuff. Um, yeah, movies like uh, Basic Instinct, Black Rain. Yeah, you know. Those type of like quarter, sort of modern noir movies. Yeah, exactly. And so Peter David takes that, but then um, but he throws a lot of Peter David, what I call kind of snazziness in the dialogue. Like everybody's just a little bit like, you know, on, on their heels. Everybody has snazzy comebacks for everything. Um, a lot of like just really witty, like a lot of witticisms that, that are kind of um, indicative of Peter David's writing style. Um, but yeah, and, and some of the humor works really well. Um, you know, the part with the bar fight, like we talked about, just really made me laugh. And there's there's some other yeah. things in there. Um, you know, some of it seems like a little silly or dated. You know, with some of the the references, like the guy thinks he's Indiana Jones and comes riding in on the horse. But even that, I felt played pretty well, like in the tone of the plot. And, well, considering it's not like Indiana Jones is something that most people, you know, you ask some 20-year-old who's Indiana Jones, most of them will have a clue. It's not like they're going to go, who? Right. So, a little dated because obviously this was, what year was this, 88, 89? Yeah, 89, yeah. So, summer of 89, Last Crusade was coming out. Yeah. So, that makes sense. But still, you know, dated in that way. But Indiana Jones is still, you know, relevant. People is people have a clue. People so it's not some kind of like obscure or movie that was huge, but then you ask some most people under the age of forty, and they would have no clue. Like a <laughs> bullet with Steve McQueen, right? Yeah. Not that it's a bad movie, but you ask most people under that age, and they'll be looking at you. Like, what are you talking about? Right. And so I love the ending where he's like, uh, mm. "I left from this for Madripoor, or I left Madripoor for this." <laughs> it's like a bunch of. Uh, almost vampire type figures crashing into the courthouse. So it's a great way to kind of end the story. Like, oh, we'll see what happens next. So, what do you think of the art in the in this book? I liked it a lot. I well, I like John Buscema. I yeah. can't remember seeing John Buscema with Sinkevich before, but oh. Sinkevich, I think there's some things where Sinkevich has done, especially I'm thinking of some Spider-Man stuff. Very heavy on the inks. Like you can definitely tell he's doing something. Here, I think at least they work well together. Yes. Yeah, it was a very nice little team up. You can definitely see some of his influence here and there, but it's not overbearing. And it still yeah. looks like Busima also. And he's so in a lot although, of ways, you kind of get the best of both of them. Yeah. Although, I have to say, I mean, I, it's John Busima. I love John Busima. But every once in a while, especially the story like this of monsters and stuff, you have to wonder, like, what would have looked like if Sinkevich was doing it on his own? Yeah. Yeah, it would have been pretty. Uh, pretty Moon Knight, special. or you know, new, his New Mutants run. Although yeah. it's John Buscema, so I have no complaints whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not like I'm reading a book and I'm going, "Damn, I wish it was just in Cambridge. It's just like <laughs> I wonder what it will look like, but I don't want to get rid of Buscema. Exactly, exactly. And you could definitely, and this is more going forward because we don't really get too much of the monsters here. But going forward, you definitely get a lot of because it's the same artist and, and inker the entire show. Right. You know, I mean, the entire series is Busima and Sienkiewicz. You definitely get a lot of his uh, Conan influence because those, when you get the hordes of these guys, it could just be a panel right out of Conan. Nice. 
Yeah, I don't know. Because I did read a bunch of his Conan stuff. And oh, that's cool. I want to someday. That's on my someday list. I, for like two or three years back then, I read like Savage Sword of Conan and like Conan Saga, which reprinted the old ones. Oh, nice. So, yeah, it definitely looks a lot like you'll read that and you'll go like, oh, yeah, that looks like all those hordes. <laughs> They're like this misshapen sort of men. Right. You know, like there's something like a little off about them. Yeah. You know, almost like the gene pool wasn't fully filtered out. <laughs> oh, man. Awesome. Well, any other comments on this first issue? Uh, the first issue, not so much. It's basically a setup issue. It reminds us, you know, hey, here's Wolverine. This is what he's doing. Yeah. He's pretending to be Patch. Yeah. You know, here's his friend Archie. Jessica Drew, at least, is still around. You know, gave her a poem for a while before she got forgotten and then brought back a spider woman. Right. So it's, <laughs> It's nice to see. I like when they take some of those characters that get canceled. Like, well, let's bring them in somewhere else at least and have them be useful instead of just ignoring them forever yes. until they're cannon fodder in some crossover. Right. Until <laughs> some event kills them. Exactly. Yeah, on oh. page two. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, so what, out of six claws, what would you like to grade Wolverine number 11? Hmm. Well, like I said, I mean, it's not the most exciting one, but it's a start. It's the beginning. So you got to take that into account because it's the setup issue. It's, you know, it's where everything starts up. I'm going to give it a good basic four. All right. I'm right there with you. Four out of six claws for me as well. Yeah. So Not the most exciting, but it's not meant to be. It's not the climax. It's not the middle. Right. It's the, here's the beginning. Yep. Very cool. So that will take us on to number 12, which is... Everyone is the same except for the colors. You get a vast improvement to Gwyneth Oliver. I don't know if you'll see that much of a difference in the Marvel Unlimited, but in the, in the print comics, it's good to have Oliver back. She's one of the, my favorite colorists of the 80s. And so, so I'm glad to see She's her. She's a... Go on. No, I was just saying, I'm glad to have her back on the issue. Yeah, she's always a good colorist. Yeah, yeah, did great stuff. So what's on the cover to number 12, Al? Well, number 12, it's uh, at least the one I'm showing here. It's an all like hot pink background. I mean, it reminds me of a Nigel poster. <laughs> like this hot pink background with a car and Wolverine kind of like hanging out three quarters of the way out of the window. Shirt off again, but he has pants. He definitely yeah. has pants. Claws popped in one hand and uh, a very demonic look on his face. I mean... The way the nose is all scrunched up, he looks like a, a vampire from Buffy. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. He has, like, that nose look to him. Yes, and even, like, his, the way he furrows his brow and his forehead, I kind of see some of that, too. I would not have thought of that on my own, but now that you say that, I'm going to see that on all of these covers. <laughs> and it's, if it wasn't for the nose, I almost think they were going for, like, a man-demon look, because the part of him that's, and I realize now, I'm looking at the reason for the, Hot pink color is supposed to be like the red light from the cop car right. because half his body closest to that is colored in that color. The other half is like the normal color and face half. If you look at more evil looking than the non, the regular colored face. Yeah. There's more lines, more line work, more inking. Yeah. Yeah. Except for the nose. The nose is the same all over. <laughs> so it's like if they, if they kept the nose more normal, it would almost be like a two face type look. True, true. Yeah, a little bit. Even some of the right color scheme, right? With the purple and the pink. So yours, yours is pink. Mine is very purpley. 
but same kind of same kind of cover though. Um, actually, this is probably my favorite cover of the six issues we're going to talk about. Um, I feel like just it just really jumps out at you. Like you feel like this car, this cop car is really about to drive like into your chest. Um, the only thing I don't like, my only complaint, is I feel like no, and this will be on all the covers where he has his claws out. Nolan's Wolverine claws are just way too tiny. Oh, they're very thin. They're more like say it's more like a not like a thick sword. What's what's that fencing term? It's like a saber or a rapier, like a very thin. Yeah, it's little razor blades. Yeah, exactly. Which is you know, and I've 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 said on here many times my favorite Wolverine claws are actually Usima does my favorite style as well. You know, we'll have Sylvester and we do it later. But um, it's kind of the, the not too thick but not too thin bladed claws. Those are my favorites. These are these are definitely more long, thin, almost like really long, thin, like sharp fingernails. Yeah. Well, Wolverine's claws are like Batman's ears. Yes. Yeah, and Wolverine's or, hair as well. <laughs> yeah, subject to interpretation. Oh yeah, definitely. And that's one of the fun things about the character, right? So. Yeah. Cool. And what happens in this issue? Okay, so this is number 12, Straits of San Francisco. Still, writer, pencil, and inker are the same. Peter David, John Basima, Wilson K. Like you said, colors is Glynis Oliver. And actually, I have down there, the letter is Ken Brzezniak. Editors are Bob Harris and Daryl Edelman, which I'm assuming is the assistant. Editor-in-chief, Tom DeFalco. And, of course, the cover art by Kevin Nolan. So this one starts off right where the last issue let off, left off. The judge, can see here, manages to escape into his quarters and calls the police. And, of course, he makes the mistake of actually telling them what's happening. <laughs> and a- after they do the elephant in my pajamas, you know, what's the elephant doing in my pajamas? I don't know. <laughs> we, get back to- we get back to the main fight with Wolverine, I mean Patch, Archie and Bert, who's still on his horse, fighting off the vampires. Well, Patch points out that it's day, so these aren't real vampires. But still, enough of them show up to be annoying. And the only member of this little group who isn't there yet is Jessica Drew, but she shows up soon enough. And not for long, though, as Bert directs his horse to jump back out the window, and Jessica hitches a ride with the vampires, and I'm using quotes, <laughs> chasing them. Right. Back at the courthouse, the police finally arrive, and whoop, Patch, it's definitely Patch, <laughs> Patch and Archie sneak out. And to continue, to, sneak, to continue that sneakiness, they steal a police car. Because nothing's more sneaky than a stolen police car. <laughs> right. Very inconspicuous. <laughs> Remember, the vampires take off after them, too. And the scene switches to the airport where one of the vampires is waiting with his master. And there might be more to the master as we see a dead body of real fang marks in his neck. The vampire wants to know why they're waiting there instead of chasing the stone fragments. And the master says, his minions do the pursuing. He will wait where he knows his quarry will run to. He knows that because he's seen in the Jehenna stone. Ooh. Mm. And back at the chase, Bert fills Jessica in on what he knows. Those fake vampires are the followers of Baal, Baal, and they want to assemble Jehenna stone, which is an orb broken up into several dozen fragments, one of which had surfaced surfaced at the San Francisco Museum of Antiquities. Bert knew they were going for it, so he stole it first which is part of the robbery issue. Case until Patch and the car and Bert and Jessica. Patch 
uses his mic claws to shred two of the tires. And this sends the vans crashing into a storefront window, much to the chagrin of the owner. (laughs) While the car is out of the case, there's still another one. And one of those vampires shoots Patch. And I said, Patch, no Wolverine. In the head. And since Patch can't come back from a nuke in seconds, while it doesn't kill him, it does hit him ringing. And the vamps in their stolen cop car keep slamming to the side of Archie and Patch's stolen cop car, hoping to knock them off the road and kill Patch since he's hanging out the window and getting crushed. Wow. It's pretty violent. Yeah. Finally, coming to his senses, Patch pops his claws in Vamp's car, forcing it to stay with them until he lets them go at the last second, and they crash into an empty cable car. Realizing they all need to get out the hell out of town, Patch steals another car. There's a lot of car theft in this one. Yeah. So the four of them could get to the airport and back to Madripoor. Yeah. That's it for the issue. Very so. good. Very good. Um, it's definitely the exciting chase issue. Yeah, yeah, you know, you compared this to being like a nice, like the story as a whole being a nice adventure movie, this is the car chase scene. Exactly. And man, it would have played on film really well. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. This is that total chase scene, like we said, uh, Last Crusade, where they're in the boats. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I love that uh, Peter David um, plays on Wolverine's catchphrase. Um he says, I'm Wolverine. I tell people I'm the best at what I do. Sometimes I'm not entirely certain what it means. This time I am, though. No one's better at getting into trouble than me. <laughs> and that's just a really nice double-page spread. The title's page there with the big brawl. Wolverine looks or Sorry, Patch looks great. Uh, Bert and his Indiana Jones on the horse looks great. The monsters look great. Like it's just it's a great double page. Oh spread. yeah. I love that splash page. And it's humorous, but this one's not so it's the humor's mostly on the first page. Yeah. Yeah, and it gets a little more serious as it goes. Well, this is more the exciting issue. Yeah, definitely. And kind of a a silly panel to love, but I really love on page six. That top panel of the police car speeding around the corner. Just, I don't know, they just, I know it's a simple, doesn't involve any of our principal characters, but it's just a really great looking panel. It's also a nice panel of setup. I'm reading this series, I realized this is like a nice in-between. <clears throat> Sorry. Ah, my throat's off today. This is like a nice in-between, between like 70s and early 80s, very over-explaining you know, major flashbacks every issue saying, <laughs> as you know, my name is blah, right. blah, blah, and this is what I do. You know, my power is this, this, and this. And I'm telling you this because we hang out every single issue, and <laughs> you might have forgotten since then. And this is what we're doing now, as you know. And, like, maybe not today, because they do a little less today, but recent, like, like early 20th century, where it was, I mean, the first issue would have been, like, of the story would have been, like, four issues in like 2002. Right, yeah. It's like, this is like a kind of middle ground. It's not as wordy and sometimes bogged down as some of the earlier stuff, but it's also not as so, not deconstructed, but, you know what I'm saying? I forget yeah. the word I'm looking for, but you know what I mean? Like, not so out that, you know, the entire first issue is Wolverine and Archie talking in the bar. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it has a really nice pace to it. 
And that goes with the police car thing. It's like a nice little extra, like part of it. It's like, and now the cops are showing up. You know, we're showing what's happening outside. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, all the, the jumping around on the horses, Jessica Drew, like there's good action with her. It's, it's funny to see, you know, it's kind of one of your first clues that maybe not everything's as it seems. You get a vampire with a gun. Um, I thought I thought something was really interesting. I'll see if you, if you thought anything about this or caught this. So on page 11, after the police cars show up, Wolverine jumps out a window and he says, there's only one police officer left. 1.5 seconds. And then the next panel on the next page is them getting into the car. And I thought it was interesting, you know, because Wolverine's our hero, right? I mean, he's an anti-hero to a degree, but he's our hero. And even though it needed to happen in the story, I, I thought it was an interesting choice that they don't, I feel like they didn't want us to see Wolverine taking the police officer out. Huh. Like, like that's not... I wonder. Like, that's not heroic, right? And so we know it happened, and we can infer it, but we don't see it. And so I, just, I thought that was an interesting choice, and I wondered like, how intentional that was with kind of the standards of what heroes are supposed to be at this time, or if it was just... And the comics code was, was on the issue. Yeah. Yep. So maybe there, maybe it has something to do with that. I don't know. But then again, I know like Batman Year One would have come out already before then, and he beat the crap out of oh, a bunch yeah. of cops. But then again, <laughs> they all all the ones he beat were for the most part corrupt. So I don't know if that matters. Yeah, yeah, I think it probably does. Um, if nothing else, if it's not, if it doesn't officially matter, I think maybe the editors, you know, probably have different thoughts on that. So anyway, I just thought it was interesting because it kind of. It kind of stuck out to me that like, oh, here he is jumping out of the window on this police officer. I'm going to turn the page and we're going to see him like, you know, knocking the guy out. But no, no, nothing. Yeah. And I wonder if that was part of it or if that, or it's even just a more simple explanation that this was done Marvel style. Because if you're just looking at the art, forget the words, just look at the art. True. First panel, they're fighting. Then he grabs Archie. Cops are running in. Wolverine looks at the back of cops jump running up the stairs, and then he jumps. Art-wise, you could also just infer ah. they jumped behind the cops. True. True. And Peter David just was like, maybe he just thought, oh, it would make more sense they would have somebody guarding, you know, the huge busted window. Right, yeah. I'll just say he took the guy out quick, you know, he knocked the guy out. Yeah, 1.5 seconds. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's also a thought. I'm wondering, too, if maybe it was just done Marvel style and Buscema just didn't draw that. True. Yeah, maybe he didn't intend for that to be part of the story. That's a, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. But, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, any of those is possible. Because, like I said, this was the time when they were definitely, I mean, well, they've been bucking the comics for ages, but at the late 80s, early 90s, I don't even know how much power the code had anymore. So right. I have no idea if that had mattered or not. Yeah. So when we meet Bale, who do you think bit the guy in the room. Do you think it was Bale or do you think it was his fake vampire minion? Because we find out that the vampires have fake fangs, right? So they're faux vampires. But Bale's not really like a vampire, is he? Because we don't... I'm not really sure what he is. Yeah. And, um, I mean, he could have just killed the guy himself and his vampire let his vampire guy, you know, I'm a vampire. Look at me. I'm going to bite him. Right. <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah, it's just interesting because they keep... I mean, the bad guys, like the minions, stay with the vampire theme, but we don't really return to Bale doing anything vampirish 
than the rest of the story. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And that doesn't well, really, that's true. Doesn't really pay off in any way. Um, but there's this panel of Jessica Drew, uh, when she's on the horse with Bert, and they're being chased by the car. And, and what would what, again would be just a great chase scene in the cinema. But she turns around and shoots. And I don't know, there's, there's something really just badass about that panel of Jessica Drew shooting the revolver at the bad guys. Just the, 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 the point of view on it and kind of the simplistic coloring, everything about it. Just, it was just a great, just look at how cool Jessica Drew is. Oh, know. yeah. Well, she was always, I mean, she's a private eye, but I, I have to, I've never really gone back and read Spider-Woman, so I'm wondering if, like, she was always this kind of badass back then. Uh, t- up and down, I would say. Um, okay. So Claremont did a lot of the early, actually did just a lot of that book in general. And it kind of varies between kind of some of this more kind of look how tough I am versus just kind of classic 80s cheeseball comics. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so it really depends. Because like, there's times when she fights like um, the Viper and Silver Samurai and she's just great. And then there's times where she's running around San Francisco fighting people. Gypsy moth. Yeah, or like someone who hypnotizes you with her flower eyes or something. I mean, so just, I guess it just, Claremont played a lot with different kinds of stories, but she definitely had that potential. And and obviously in current, Jessica Drew is just tough as nails and uh, just fun to read. Yeah, I mean, I haven't read the new post-Secret Wars series, but I did read, I was reading the, the series right before Secret Wars. Where it had the porcupine and stuff in it. Yeah, I loved. Yeah. She was awesome. Oh, yeah, Hopeless's uh, book, his whole run is amazing. It just ended, and I'm very, very sad. <laughs> I'll get to that eventually. Yep, yep, yep. Um, let's see. So, but it is a good chase scene. It's a great drawn chase scene. Yeah, and it's several pages long. Like if you, if you count like from the moment the Wolverine gets in the police car. It's like thirteen full pages of chase scene without one, yeah. not one interruption of the bail scene, and other than that, that's twelve solid pages of chase. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, and that bail scene's even in the beginning because you see Bert and Jessica draw, draw, go off, right. and then Wolverine and Archie steal the car. You get to the airport, and then we just—it's all chase. Yeah, it's like okay, we got the other stuff taken care of. Here's the fun. Yeah. And I also love that Peter David references his Hulk run. Because um, you have yes. this, this guy setting up this, looks like a comic shop, right? And uh, yeah, what is page yes. after page. Yeah, um, Carrie. Yeah, page after page. Yeah, you're right. And um, he talks about how he uh, his store got destroyed in Vegas, which you can only assume was the store that Hulk smashed his way through um, in Peter David's Hulk run. And so I thought that was an interesting not only an interesting pool, but also the comparison. I don't know how much Daredevil you've read, but uh, there's Josie's bar in Daredevil. And oh, the, yeah. The front that window of that up. bar gets broken like every issue. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm trying to remember. I'm not sure. 
I know it was in its Hulk run, but there also was a two-part crossover of Hulk and Web of Spider-Man. This was at the time when yes. Peter Parker had done a book, and he was on tour. And I, for some reason, I have a feeling like that's where maybe this happened. It yeah. was definitely somewhere with Hulk, but I, 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 like, I, have, I haven't gone back to look, but in my part of my brain is like saying, I think it happened there. I could be completely wrong, but... No, that sounds right. Um, I read that not too long ago, but they were like find like a bunch of like mercenaries who were having some kind of like war games. Yeah, against yeah. each other. Yeah, it was very, very height of eighties type of story. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, and unfortunately, of course, the car goes smashing into his bill, his uh, store. Poor guy. Yeah, banging his head against the wall. <laughs> yeah. We get a great. I'm like, no, all the comics. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's kind of what I thought too. Like, I hope the I hope the books are safe. <laughs> but yeah, so we get a great snicked and shrucked as Wolverine slashes the tires. Another great little sequence. Um, so man, this this scene after he gets shot and he's hanging out the door, and the the not vampires keep crashing the car into him. Like between the two police cars is just brutal. And yeah. Not only that, like I know his healing factor would be okay. I know he has adamantium bones, but I'm pretty sure he'd be a lot more tore up looking than he is. <laughs> yeah, I did like how they did the uh, caption box though for his uh, monologue. Yeah. If they all get all shaken up and they're kind of all skew and everything it's not say it's not straight up it's kind of like you know bits and pieces of thoughts and they're all scattered around yeah yeah the caption boxes are woozy which was a nice touch um it was yeah really cool really cool panel um yeah so any other any other comments on this one any other highlights or just things you thought Let's, were crazy or weird i did like him once he came to looking down going what the devil is like Knives are kicking his car. <laughs> right, yeah, he's got claws coming through the door. And making them smash. Yeah, and makes them smash into the trolley. Like, ooh, like, yeah, Wolverine doesn't mind killing people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter David or John Buscema lets us know that everyone jumped off of the car. So they're all safe, but I don't think Wolverine knew that. He's just like, all right, here's something to run them into. <laughs> Good luck, everybody. <laughs> Yeah, it goes nice. Ba boom. Yep. And then he steals another car. Yeah, this time a convertible, like a little classic. And uses his claws to hot wire. <laughs> yeah, this is the less conspicuous cop car. Like, yeah. just barely. Barely, yeah. yeah. Uh, a bright turquoise convertible with what well, looks like a hot pink interior. <laughs> But like, what happened to the horse? That's why I wanted. Where did the horse go? Once right. they're done, where, does he just leave the horse? Where did he get it from? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm assuming he stole it from like the film set, maybe. True. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know where he got a horse. And he leaves the horse. So this horse is ocean in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. You imagine being the costier. You're like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Well, we finally found our stolen police car and a horse. Uh, you know how I write this up? <laughs> uh, there's also the other stolen police car, which has exploded, and a trolley. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what in the hell happened? Yeah. I'm sorry. 
say hell. Yeah, you know, you're, fi- you're fine. We're, we're very PG-13. <laughs> no, no, I meant the comic here. Oh, okay, the right. They can't say, they don't know. They still say, what, the blazes? What, the blazes? <laughs> I, I kind of love the dichotomy here where they could kill a whole bunch, they could kill these two guys and say, what? <laughs> He's like, oh, what the blazes is happening? <laughs> uh, it's a flaming nightmare. <laughs> I remember the kid thinking it was a little weird, but like, okay, that's how he talks. Later on, I'm like, oh, I just insert word here. Right, right, yeah. A uh, little F-bomb here, a GD here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I do want to say I really like the panel. The panel, the page where the, the, the car smashes into the trolley. That next to last panel, just like looking over at that. Yeah. There's just something cool about that panel. Yeah. It's really well done. And it's like before it was a. Fun. Yeah, the line is really. Like just shot at the car. Here it's like, holy crap, those guys are dead. Right, exactly. Yeah. And the, the exploding panel is really good too. Like the color on it is just fantastic. Um,. You really get the sense of kind of the action. Um, and Musima, just this whole issue, you know, very action-packed. You get a really good sense of the motion and the action. Musima does a really good job in this issue. Um, yeah. Just, I love, I mean, we'll probably say the same thing over and over again each issue, but really, really love the art in this one. Um, I thought it was really great. Um the colors for me in the print copy obviously make it better because they're, I mean, all of are just better than that other guy, which, you know, no, I can really knock people, but just really love Glennis Oliver's colors. And this issue just looks really, really good. So some, so kind of the, um, some of the pros and cons of Peter David is some of the zingers don't really, they're kind of, they can be a little weak sometimes. Like when he says they caught the trolley, wasn't a big fan of that. Uh, yeah but overall i thought the issue was still really fun and like we talked about really action-packed um yeah what would you like to grade wolverine number 12 honestly this is i think this might be my favorite issue of the story and this was just damn good i'm actually going to give this one a six okay i'm right there with you i'm going to give it five out of six claws um yeah i thought it was really good enjoyed it a lot um yeah just it was. It was. It was definitely one of the more fun issues of the, the arc. Yeah, it, yeah, it was. It was fun and just a great issue, but an action issue that you didn't read in five seconds. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And it wasn't about pinups. It was actually really well choreographed. You know, Basim knows what he's doing, especially at this. Point. Yeah. You know, he knew how to draw an action sequence and a chase sequence, and it, it went well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just really impressed with the pacing. And that was one of my favorite kind of parts as a reader was just looking at how well it flowed. Cool. Let's move on to number 13. This is going to be Blood Ties. Um, And the credits are exactly the same. This Kevin Nolan cover is interesting. Um, We Uh have a very broad-chested Wolverine getting set on fire by a demon. And the demon... Yeah, the demon actually... Sorry, go on. No, go ahead. What, what does he look like to you? I was going to say, the demon... that I mean, It's obviously not Baal or Bial or whatever his name is. But that looks like Varney, who is in Marvel, the original vampire. Oh, okay. So there was a vampire yeah, before Dracula? 
Oh yeah, he's like a pre almost prehistoric, or at oh. least maybe not prehistoric, but like uh, Conan era. Okay. Because right. remember, this was at the time when Conan was in continuity with Roll. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they referenced that in um, I think one of the annuals, maybe. Yeah. But also, yeah, probably uh, maybe like Evolutionary War. Okay. Or uh, Atlantis Attacks. Yeah, Atlantis Attacks. That's what it is. Yep. I just listened to that one actually yesterday. Okay, cool. So oh. yeah, but also uh, there was an issue of Marvel Team Up with Spidey and Red Sonia. And then there's the two issues or three issues of Uncanny X-Men. It's like 189 to 191, where Colin Gath, who's like an old Conan Red Sonia, Red Sonia foe, burns New York City into like a version. It's a version of itself, the Hyborian Age, which is the time of Conan. Oh, okay. I didn't get any of that. I mean, I enjoyed that story. I didn't know that's what was going on. <laughs> yeah, he's an old Conan. At okay. this time, Conan was part of Marvel continuity. Okay, cool. So, and Varney appeared, I believe his first appearance was Bizarre Adventures 33. Okay. Very yeah, cool. no, he's like the first vampire, or one of the first vampires. Yeah. I think he's the one who made Dracula, or the one who made Dracula, one of the two. Oh, okay. Well, that's pretty cool. I'll have to see if I can go see if any of that's on uh, Unlimited or not. Cool. Well, um, I think the demon looks pretty cool. I'm, the Wolverine looks weird to me, but... You know, it's Kevin Nolan, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> I like how the burning part of him is Kirby Crackle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there is. Like on his shoulders and his elbows, there's a little Kirby Crackle yeah. going on. Interesting. And I'm noticing a pattern. No shirt. Again. Yeah. Yeah, no shirt. But also a weird kind of not that thick chest hair pattern on this cover. Like it's just that one little almost like a diamond and the rest is just kind of normal <laughs> interesting well i guess in this one you can excuse it by being burnt off true true you definitely could this wolverine should be a bit hairier than that yeah yep cool well issue number 13 here's what happens some skeezy twins show up at the prince's bar with a piece of the stone meanwhile once our ragtag band of heroes are free of the cops Bert explains what the Gehenna Stone is. It goes back to the Old Testament Bible times where Baal ruled evil Gehenna outside of Jerusalem until the hand of God defeated him. Uh, but once defeated, his soul possessed the stone. The hand of God then destroyed the stone and dispersed the fragments so that Baal cannot be resurrected. Um, now archaeology is digging some of them up. You know, the person archaeology. <laughs> um, yes. Bert's uh, intuition. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> Bert's intuition knew somehow that someone was collecting them, so he stole the one from the San Francisco Museum. He thinks the master is a descendant of Baal. Patch is worried the stone's evil is affecting those in possession of the fragments. The master and his evil minions are waiting to ambush our heroes at the airfield. In the ensuing brawl, the minion steal Bert's piece of the stone. Wolverine, I mean Patch, goes after the Death Master but gets shrapped. He fights back some more but gets tossed aside. The bad guys retreat. In Madripoor, meanwhile, the twins kill each other. So, yeah. 
I kind of like um, res- kind of resetting uh, the story, kind of back to Magipur a little bit with the these identical twins who are arguing over the stone. We see O'Donnell, who we haven't seen in a while. But then this next, so as awesome as the action from the previous issue was, I'm not a huge fan of this crazy, almost Nightcrawler-esque acrobatics that Wolverine does here. Yeah, it's like a bouncing. Like, this is something I would expect to see, like, Nightwing or Robin do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it looks cool when he lands on the police car and he pops his claws. Like, those are all great panels. But then the car stops because Wolverine stabs the motor. And he goes flying off the hood, but somehow, like, does an aerial cannonball and lands in the seat. And you can almost hear... Like a slide whistle sound, like a whoop. This this reminded me a lot, a lot, and it kind of took me a while to figure out what it was. But this scene particularly reminded me of the humor of the more silly era of James Bond, where you have like all the weird sound effects and like some sometimes that the camera will speed up for no reason and they'll do like need need need. You know, it's that weird kind of like silly stuff that got sprinkled into late 80s James Bond movies and didn't ruin them by any stretch, but definitely was kind of a switch in tone after Sean Connery. Um, yeah. That and also remind me a bit of like Silver Age Marvel where you get like the guy following, he'd be like, using my massive strength, I can spin in the air and turn myself to <laughs> fly to this end of the, you know, instead of falling straight down, I can go across the street. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what it looks like he's doing because you read the page before he looks like he's just flying off the car and then next thing you know he's like I'm gonna turn into a ball and I'll keep flying across instead of hitting the ground because I'm spinning right and you don't get the impression that Bert stopped the car so <laughs> this whole time they were driving and then he just jumps into a moving car and lands in the seat right on his ass just perfectly and it, yeah it's Plus, the way he's spitting like that, he should not be landing that way. He'd be landing backwards. Yeah, exactly. So he also does like a half Nelson before he gets to the seat, like between the panels. So, yeah. You know what it reminds me of? That, that Geico commercial with the sumo wrestler doing the um, figure skating? <laughs> this is like Wolverine's, like, you know, he's doing, you know, acrobatics he's doing gymnastics or something and he sticks to landing right yeah yeah you almost want to see like a scorecard from the policeman on the side of the road like i give that an (laughs) 8.9 or whatever (laughs) 8.9 for style but 10.0 for breaking the laws. yeah breaking the laws of physics exactly I mean, it's comics. It's got to break the laws of physics to an extent, but this is like not just breaking the laws of physics. This is like beating them after they're down. Yeah, exactly. And then taking their girlfriend, then then taking their girlfriend on a date. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what do you think of the origin of Bale? Uh, well, for one thing, this is almost like this is almost like a completely a Conan page. Yeah. It does. You have like faces in the rocks. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Like that—that that was creepy. And you know, we obviously well, this is a Indiana Jones story. I mean, if you weren't even sure from everything else, you definitely got it from the uh, title of last issue, which was definitely done in the whole Indiana Jones font. Right. 
But this is the part where we learn, you know, this is the ancient thing, like the Holy Grail or the, you know, what was the one, the, the Lost Ark. You know, this is a biblical <laughs> thing true, going back. True. Yeah, exactly. That's funny. Uh, I did look up on Comic Book DB, and Baal only appeared, first appeared in issue 12. Okay. And I don't even see a reference to Hand of God because of the Hand of God character because I was wondering if like that was a, they were alluding to anyone else. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it kind of looks like um, the modern Hercules character, but yes, I don't know. I mean, we'll kind of we'll kind of see what they do with them as the story progresses. But um, yeah, as far as I know, this is the only time I've ever read about him. So. And this is the first time Ball appears. He ha- he does appear in one of the series, but that's it. Okay. But we can talk about that after the end. Yeah, yeah. So his origin was fine. Um, you know, he kind of have the the you know the biblical tie, like you said, which ties into Indiana Jones, kind of, and gives you kind of an excuse for them to dig it up through archaeology and stuff like that. And you know, the idea of him possessing the stone is pretty cool, and the idea of our hero saying, okay, well, fine, I'm just going to break this and chunk the fragments to, you know, the ends of the earth. I guess that's interesting. So, that was a pretty decent little little backstory for our demon guy. Yeah, just enough to be a conspiracy, but obviously there's something going on, because otherwise you wouldn't have all these vampires chasing Right. Or yeah. quote unquote vampires. <laughs> exactly. So, and then we see um, Bert starting to go into stone withdrawal. So that's almost almost like a Lord of the Rings esque, my precious. <laughs> He's like, Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. And that's where Patch is like, Mm-mm, something's wrong here. Something's off. Yeah. I know old Bert is a few bricks shy of a load. Because, <laughs> you know, Logan's so. Sympathetic. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even so, that little outburst wasn't normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So, um, you know, I talked about how sometimes Peter David's humor is awesome and really funny, and sometimes it falls a little flat. Uh, I thought the joke about the airports and Logan's like, I prefer Logan International Airport was wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that was bad but then again all of Wolverine's jokes are bad yeah yeah most I mean, of them are I mean he's giving him all the bad one line you know <laughs> 80s movies we're trying to be like you know we, we want to have an all be back line so just give them anything yeah. and I don't know whether he was trying or was just trying to make bad lines yeah I don't know because Wolverine's lines are always from what I remember in here they're always bad like that it's almost like he's intentionally doing it maybe so yeah one thing i'll say for the writing is i do like i mean obviously these twins are jerks the twins that have the stone and uh the princess bar but he does do enough with them that you almost feel a little bad for them killing each other a little bit yeah except for those panel that page where they on 17 where they're fighting is an awesome page it is and they're jerks and they're villains obviously but it's almost like you feel bad that they killed each other right yeah What'd your mom say? Oh, boys. <laughs> oh, and then the family has to have two funerals at the same time. That's a bummer. Yeah, that's depressing. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is an awesome fight between the two. That is a cool fight between the two of them. Yeah, the lighting and everything, just the color work makes it all look great. And the, 
the, way the shadow part. Yeah, and the, the stone casting the shadow like just gives a whole kind of really cool supernatural bent to the story. It's just I don't know, it's really cool. Actually, yeah, with the it's just like he, with Peter David's idea for this was uh, it's an Indiana Jones movie featuring Wolverine where they're basically trying to get the Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. It's a, it's a really nice mashup. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, let's see. So, when Bale meets Wolverine, that's a really cool page. Very well drawn. That page of Wolverine, or I'm sorry, Patch jumping at Bale right before he gets strapped is great. It's primal. And that's where you definitely see some of the Sienkiewicz in that panel there. Um, oh yeah, like that little inking part that's coming off the speed, the black speed, uh, speed lines. Yeah, speak. yeah, exactly. Looks I great. was thinking that actually, the last issue, like there's a couple times if Jessica on the horse, like the little bit of her hair was doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all really cool. Um, there's a weird part here though, where so when um, when Patch is fighting Bale. There's a part after he jumps at him the second time and, and Bale grabs his hands with his claws out. And he goes, why can't I uh, rip you apart? And Pat says, adamantium bones, but he doesn't have to know that. Which, I don't really know if that works. Because yes, he has adamantium bones, but he doesn't have adamantium tendons or muscles. It's... Yeah, well, I think he's ripping that up, but I think what he's trying to do is like rip his, you know, the bones out of the socket to pull the arms off. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the ball joint would stay together. That makes sense. All right. Yeah. Or it's because it's still more strength. He needs to use more strength than he has because he can rip a human apart. But I know that it's not an adamantium skeleton. It's coated because otherwise when Magneto pulled that adamantium out of him, he would just be a glob of jelly. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, what else? And I that part towards the end though when he's like I hear like screaming and I smell something and I realize it's me which part this is uh, oh, the when, same page. yeah when uh when uh Bale's frying him yeah he smells himself burning that is pretty pretty creepy but pretty cool I mean this is a this time period I mean I don't know maybe my age but whatever but like I prefer Wolverine where he can be hurt yes. he's not like I said he's not gonna come back from a nuke <laughs> Stuff can happen to him. Yes. You know, I mean, he comes back, he still comes back from stuff, but, you know, he's going to be hurt. It's going to take time. He's not going to just, oh, got nuked. Give me five minutes. All yeah. right, I'm good. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't like the omnipotent instant healing factor. I like I like where he, he can be taken out and, you know, he will come back, but it takes time. And that, it, it gives more stakes to the stories. Yeah, he's still, he's still going to get through it, but, you know, the stuff can slow him down more now and it can actually do something. I mean, come on. Kitty Pride and Wolverine miniseries, he has to heal for like two months. She stabs him through the heart. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a while for sure. So, let's see. Bert's, uh, well, Archie's a bit of a dick to his brother throughout the whole series. Yeah. Yeah. They, you definitely, you get the sense that he uh, doesn't particularly, like he loves exactly. him because he's his brother. He doesn't really like him. <laughs> And I have a feeling, reading this, it's crazy. He's kind of annoyed that his brother's right this time. Right. Yeah. Because this isn't in his head. This is real. This is happening. He's like, seriously? You're right? How the hell did that happen? (laughs) You're freaking vampires. You're right about vampires. You're going to be right about something else. (laughs) Right. 
Yeah. You know, you you said you told me you were dating. Was this eighty nine? I don't know. You told me you were dating Madonna. That couldn't be true. Right. This has to be true. <laughs> you told me you were dating Kim Basinger. <laughs> You're telling me you're dating Madonna and Kim Basinger. How come that's not true, but the vampires are? What the hell? Uh, Of all the times. (laughs) Yeah. Then, of course, O'Donnell sees the stone. The the creepy blood dripping through the ceiling is uh, pretty great. Cool. Well, again. The guy's dead. Yep. The twins are dead. Again, thought the art was fantastic. Thought the story was really fun. Um, what do you want to grade Wolverine number 13? Enjoyed it. it not as much as fun. And, you know, there was a couple of, like we said, there was some of that weird stuff in the beginning. So that knocked it down a bit. But, you know, otherwise, though, the art does get, you know, at least Basima uh, redeemed himself for some of those weird, you know, it wasn't so much the art was bad, it just didn't make sense. Right. But like I said, Scenes taking the you know in the agent days were awesome, especially like that orgy rappers where they're dancing around the fire. Yeah, it looks you really know, good. That's all. That's all, and the fighting with the hand of God, and then the fight. And so, but that knocked it down a bit. So, and then of course, jump. You know, at least thing about the uh, issue with the chase is that it was kind of we got the stuff out of the way, and then we had the whole big shapes like keeping you going. Right. So this jumps around a bit more. I'm giving this jump on a four and a half. All right. I'm right I mean, there. It's still pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Still pretty fun. I'm right, right there with you. I'm going to give number 13 four out of six claws. I mean, nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing no, bad. No, no, not at all. All right. So what's, what's number 14 all about? Well, 14, uh, it's Wolverine. It's in, co- in costume, the brown costume. Fighting, I'm not sure what. It looks like a combination of the Grey Hulk. Grey Hulk as a werewolf with a more mouse. That's what I mean. Yeah. What is that? I don't even know what the hell that is. Yeah, well, we find out in the issue, he fights the same guy. Oh, that's right. Draws a little bit, drawn a little bit differently. Uh, Nolan takes a little bit of license. Yeah. But yeah, I, I definitely see the Hulk werewolf comparison. Um it looks like a bad face. Yeah. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> like, you know, we all got you went to the villains and, you know, made a deal with the red coat. It's like, can I have, can I have one of your monkeys to fight Wolverine Wolf? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, very Planet of the Apes. Um, yeah, and of course, Nolan does... I mean, oh, the other thing that also, when you said Batman's ears and Wolverine's claws, yeah. also Wolverine's um, ears... Or whatever those are on the top of his costume, on the top of his mask. Yeah, his fins and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. He does big ones there. And yeah, his Wolverine's a little chunky. Yeah, he is. Yeah, a little top heavy for sure. Um, so, a couple of notable things. We haven't really had, you know, in the 90s, we'll get this a lot. But we haven't really had a lot of really tall cow yet with Wolverine. So, this is a, a very early foray into that stylistic choice. Um, and another thing for the solo series, you know, we had the costume in the miniseries, the Claremont Miller miniseries. Haven't really had the costume in the solo series so far. So as um, a Wolverine fan, you know, you've been reading along, chucking along, you know, you start this new story. It's pretty fun, right? 
But then you can go to the comic shop and you see number four, or the grocery store, or the gas station, wherever you're buying your comics. And you see number 14 on the stands, and he's back in his costume in the solo book. And to me, that just seems really exciting because, I mean, we're 14 issues in, and we haven't really seen it that much. And to me, I'm like, yes, you know, Patch was fun, but Wolverine's back. Like, let's, yeah. get, let's get it on. And so, so there's definitely some weird choices in the proportions on the cover, but it's a pretty exciting cover. It is very exciting. And Nolan, I mean, you definitely, Nolan has some stuff to work on here, but this is earlier in his career, right? Yes. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. But, but I mean, he definitely, you know, has some stuff to work on, but from what I understand, he does, from what I remember of him, he does work on it. Yes. But it yeah. definitely has the excitement. So there is that to it. And what you said about the costume, if you know, at least for the last few issues, in the corner box, because this is the era where they sell the little corner box with like the character in there. Yeah. We had Wolverine wearing like that black outfit. Yes. That I know he wore. This issue goes back to yeah, he's actually in costume in the corner box as well. Yeah. Yep. Going full like, Wolverine. Yeah. It's like, and this is not a symbol symbolic cover. Warning. Spoiler warning. This yeah. does happen in the issue. He yeah. wears the costume. Yay. Very cool. Right, so the looks like the credits are the same except for the colorist is Greg Wright. So mm -hmm. what's this chapter called, Al? Flying Wolves. All right, interesting. And so what, what happens? Ar Archie's plane, carrying himself, Patch, Jessica Drew, and Archie's brother, Bert, has caught up to the plane carrying the fake vampires and the piece of the Gehenna stone that they stole from Bert. And after having a flashback so he doesn't forget what happened in the first three parts, Patch tells Archie to close in on the other plane while he changes clothes. And while Patch is changing, back in Madripoor, Captain Ty, who this is the first time he's showing up in this storyline, is talking to O'Donnell about the now-dead twin brothers. O'Donnell claims to have no clue why they were fighting, but Captain Ty notices the subtle clue that O'Donnell's pocket is bleeding. <laughs> And O'Donnell takes out the stone fragment they fought over and says, he found it in their room. He thought he had nothing to do with anything. <laughs> and Ty says he wants it, but when O'Donnell freaks, he lets him keep it. Lindsay McCabe, who I believe this is her first appearance in this storyline, who from what I understand is Jessica Jones basically like a partner as a PI. Yes, yeah. She's, she's also been... interested in it, but yeah. she's denied a closer look. <laughs> So, on the plane, Jessica's thinking she's sorry she didn't tell Lindsay where she went, but she had to follow Patch. She's secretly working for the Prince of Madripoor, keeping an eye on certain people, and Patch is high on that list. Oh. Now, real quick, is that new, or is that established already in the series? All right, so, the last time we saw the Prince, um, he was obsessed with Lindsay McCabe, and he had, like, a shrine, because McCabe is also an actress, uh, or a failed uh, actress. And so he had a shrine to her, and we knew that he took a shine to both Lindsay and Jessica. Uh, as far as her, like, tailing people for him and being in his employ, this is, that's a new revelation. Okay, cool. Cool. So anyway, no time for flashbacks, as the plane is right over the vampire's plane, and the vamps fire on him. Jessica tried, decides to fight to them and jumps out of the plane. And she lands on the vampire's plane, cra crawling around on it like a spider. And that's weird for Bert and Archie. And to make <laughs> right. things weirder for them, 
Yeah, to make things weirder for Birch and, Ar- Birch and Archie, Patch comes out dressed as Wolverine. Because he is. He's Wolverine. <laughs> Yay. He jumps out after her, and Jessica reveals she knew he was Wolverine all along, much to Wolverine's frustration. But no time to chat about disguises as the two of them take on the plane of Fate Vampire. And the fight's going decently well until Jessica falls out of the plane and only survives by grabbing hold of a belt to keep her and is hanging out the door. Trying to help Archie as Bert drop a rope ladder, but that just gives a few of the big vamps a way to get to them. So we leave on the cliffhanger to go back to Madripoor, as O'Donnell is woken up by Lindsay trying to seduce her in, in order to get to see the stone, which he's fine with. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a quick stop away from the main action, and in the cockpit of the vampire's plane, Bial mutates one of his lackeys and sends him after Wolverine, basically into, turning him into more of what we were talking about on the cover. Yep. Big Planet and, of the Ape Gorilla guy. Exactly. Now, Wolverine isn't the only one fighting as Bert manages to knock all three of the vampires that are climbing up after them off the rope ladder before they get into the plane. So go Bert. Yeah. Things aren't going as well as that well for Wolverine, and to make matters worse, the pilot of the vampire's plane is killed during his fight. He finally manages to electrocute henchmen, and instead of taking Bayal on, realizes he should be worrying about Jessica finally. So he <laughs> hacks his way up out of the plane and grabs Jessica and jumps off. Archie manages to fly close enough to them they can run the ladder while the vampire's plane blows up. And we end with O'Donnell and Lindsay having kissy fun <laughs> until they're interrupted by agents of the prince. Not prince, just the prince of Madripoor. Right. This <laughs> prince would have been awesome. No, no, their costumes are not that different. <laughs> True. As we will come to find out. <laughs> so, yay, Wolverine's back. Yeah, Wolverine's back in full effect. Um, I love that he packed the suit in a suitcase. Like, I thought that was really cool. Like, he just brought it along just in case. Um, so I, I, I mean, I wonder why. I mean, it's not like he couldn't fight without it. He's been right. doing it so far, but okay, whatever. Yeah. Well, he wants to, to strike fear into the the cowardly and superstitious criminals, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do like, there's a, you know... I agree with you that most of Wolverine's lines have not been great. But there is one great one on page 12 where he says, um, he's so busy trying to spot Drew, he doesn't see me until it's too late for him. Then again, the moment I woke up this morning, it was too late for him. <laughs> I, just, I don't know, that just yeah. seemed like a really kind of badass line. Um, it's great. So... um. A question for you and, and any listeners who want to chime in later. I really, sh- not struggle is not the right word. It's not that big of a deal, but really kind of flip-flopped on whether I thought Peter David is like kind of making fun of Claremont a little bit or, or I'm not sure. Because there's, so like earlier in the issues we had uh, like Bert asked Patch if he was a pirate, and then we get the whole revelation about Jessica Drew in this issue, this issue. And we'll see some more as we go forward. That what do you mean? Oh, you mean this tiny little eye patch didn't fool everybody? And, <laughs> and I don't know if that's just Peter David taking that and running with it to kind of get to where he wants to go, or if he's kind of like kind of sticking it to Claremont a little bit. Like that eye patch was stupid, dude. <laughs> Well, 
There's a question. Did I mean? Did they establish earlier on that Jessica knew who he was, or is it just not said? No, it's not said. There is one. There is one part in the Claremont Run where she kind of gives him a sideways look, so you can kind of you can take that and run with it for sure. But I mean, for the most part, uh, Wolverine's quote-unquote disguise has has worked in Madripoor, and so and that was interesting that Peter David kind of says, "Nope." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I have to read those early ones, but then again, I mean, because here's the thing. I mean, he's written Jessica Drew, like you said, in her series, but also in X-Men, where they stayed with her. So she knows him. You know, yes. she knew who she knew Wolverine. Oh, right, yeah. No, they this... were friends. They lived together for a couple weeks, you know, with <laughs> yeah. the, the other X-Men. They stayed in her house, I think. Yeah. So I could kind of see. For the most part, most people in Madripoor don't know Wolverine anyway. It's True. not like they were all you know, people who knew him. So right. I think it was kind of like, you could almost take it, I could almost take it, I mean, until I read it and see something that directly contradicts what I'm about to say. But I can see Claremont going like, look, she's like, it's Wolverine. If he wants to say he's called himself Patch, I don't know what he's doing. Maybe there's a plan. I'm not going <laughs> to screw it up. Right. Or even later you know, in this story, let him she's do like, what he wants to do. Yeah. Even later in this story, she's like, dude, if, if angry violent Wolverine wants to pretend to wear a disguise, we're going to go along with it. <laughs> it reminds me, I don't know if you've read early Fantastic Four and Strange Tales or listened to Fantastic Cast. Um, I'm starting to do both. <laughs> well, there's a period, I mean, this doesn't really because this is just goofy. In Strange Tales, when the Human Torch has, has the title, the book, you know, it's a Human Torch book. Right. And he, he identity. Oh. You know, John, no one knows Johnny Storm's a human torch, even though in like the 20 issues or 15 issues of Fantastic Four, but not so far, Everybody, he knows. gets a medal from the president. <laughs> He's on TV yes. getting a medal. And basically, that's what they eventually end up saying. It's like, well, yeah, we all know who you are. Everyone knows who you are, but you wanted to pretend like you had a secret ID. So hey. we said, oh, okay, <laughs> we'll pretend we don't know you're the torch. Screw it. <laughs> that's funny. And that's what I was getting when I was reading this. It's like, you want to pretend we don't know who you are? Fine. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> play. Maybe it's a play. No. Yeah. I'm not here. <laughs> that's funny. I did love that whole thing with her. It's like, about time. Right. Yeah. yeah that's pretty I'm great. pretending I don't know you. <laughs> right. Now we can just be ourselves. Yeah, that was pretty great. So the action of this was all really good. I really love, even though we get an extra K, I really love the snicked on page 17 where Wolverine is dogpiled and he snicked his way out of the dogpile by stabbing through a couple of guys. I thought that was a great panel. Always, you know, we're, we are the podcast that go snick, so I always love to point out the great snicks, and that was definitely one of them. Oh, yeah, when he's popping out the guy, the, guy, the master will be so pleased and then <laughs> snick right through his chest and his back. <laughs> and I like that person. Like, Help them. He's like, don't you friggin' dare. Get that. You don't go down there, you moron. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, it's one thing we're in the middle of a bunch of guys attacking us. We're fighting on the street. You are not going to go running around on a plane. Right. Yeah. I don't know what the hell's wrong with those two. No. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the line. I also love that Wolverine misses Colossus. I thought that was a nice little touch. Um, yeah, because he can use that strength. 
Um, now, there was a weird thing in here for me. Okay. What's that? Oh, never mind. I got it. I figured it out. Oh, okay. It's uh, when the Wolverine's fighting the mutated guy. And when I read it the first time, there's a part. It's the page, not the page, because my pages seem to be a little different number than uh, yours. Probably because you don't have the ads. Yeah. Yeah. So it's called page 18 here. It's the second It's the second page where the guy has been mutated. So the page after that, okay, he's mutated in the next page, the first panel. He's strong enough to crack concrete, and that's just his breath. The way I read it originally <laughs> when I was reading it, I thought over most of he cracks concrete there. I'm like, what concrete on a plane? What the hell? I realized I was misreading that completely like an idiot. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he's just saying he could crack concrete. Right. Okay. Gotcha. So I was like, uh. Oh, never mind. That's just me being <laughs> But yeah, and I love Bert fighting up the guys off the plane. Yeah, he hits them in the face with a, a fire extinguisher thing and then steps on their fingers. It's pretty great. He kicks the other guy off. I, I, the the uh, action issues are really good here. I mean, there's actually story and stuff happening, and it doesn't feel like you wasted an issue of like, oh, it's just one little fight. Right. Yep. You know? Like, it's not a, like, oh, it's one little fight that took three minutes to read, and now I spent four bucks. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, this one actually has weight to it. There's stuff that happens, and it's exciting. Yeah. Um, I like Bert's little one-liner, too, when the guys try to get on the plane and say, you can't come in here, you're not invited. <laughs> Which kind of the yeah. appeal to the old vampire <laughs> lore. And that was fun. <laughs> but they're not real vampires, so skip it! He just <laughs> kicks them out. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I like Bert. Bert's fun. Yeah, yeah, I like him too. The, so the part, uh, there's definitely some uh, comic book magic where, um, you know, but also, I say that, but this also seems like something that might happen in Indiana Jones where Archie's able to fly the plane in such a fantastic way that our falling heroes in mid-air can grab the rope ladder. Oh, um, yeah. That's very uh, Spielbergian. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that that would be an awesome scene in the indie movie. Yeah. And Wolverine even says, a lesser pilot would never be able to pull this off. But Archie is the best there is at what he does. He gets it from me. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That was good. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. Wolverine's dialogue got a little better this issue. A little more. A little more Kurt Russell. A little less, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Bad Arnold Cologne. Yeah, Arnold. Um, uh, Van Damme, uh, whatever else movies. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Seagal, Van Damme, Seagal movies. Yes, he was a go. <laughs> Anything with Michael Dudikoff. Right, yeah. Uh, I really like the panel too, where the plane blows up and Bale's face is in the fire. That that was interesting. The Wolverine just yeah. kind of shakes it off, though. He's like, "Uh, eh, well, that was weird." <laughs> and granted, it's also I'm looking at this going, "Okay, I can see why the plane would crash." I'm not sure why it's exploding. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was on fire, right? Why does it? Um, why is it on fire? Well, the one guy's on fire because he got electrocuted. Oh. But I'm just, it looks like he falls off the plane. I don't know. I mean, was he enough to set that whole plane on fire and make it go boom? I guess so. He, he turned into like a human gorilla werewolf bomb. <laughs> I don't know. Or maybe it's the plane's made of explosium. 
True. Yeah. And that, you know, it touches something and it goes off. <laughs> like, did you ever see, I saw parts of it, but you ever see Van Helsing? Uh, I've seen missing pieces with, uh, on TV with, Hugh Jackman. Uh, with Wolverine in it. Yeah. yeah. Where he's on a wooden carriage, a horse and carriage, you know, buggy or <laughs> carriage, whatever you call it. And it falls off a cliff and explodes. Wow. Now, it's made of wood. Yeah. That's crazy. The engine is a horse. <laughs> it's not going to go boom. Yeah. It's gonna just shatter. That's crazy. That's crazy. Maybe that dynamite in it. I don't know. Um, but you know, either way, I love the art again. Art is fantastic. Yeah. Story: We're trucking along, having some good old times. Um, what would you like to grade Wolverine number fourteen? I like this one a lot. Again, I'm noticing I like the the chase fight issues a lot here. These two. Yeah. And. Um, it's almost the, the the car chasing is better. This is almost as good. This one gets a full five, full five claws. Okay, I gave it a very strong. I waffle between a four and a five. Um, you know what? I'm having even more fun talking about it. I'm gonna go ahead and swing up to a five as well. Yeah, like they they definitely have this whole Indiana Jones vibe right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, this is a perfect story for like doing this bi-weekly thing back then because even if somebody wasn't reading reading it, they didn't have to care about the other stuff. You got this cool Indiana Jones adventure with Wolverine. Right, yeah. What else do you want? And that works because Wolverine, I mean, in many ways, he's like Batman in the fact that they're characters that you can put in most situations. Like some characters don't always work in certain ones. Some do in many. Like Wolverine works pretty well in a, a most like superhero type ones. He works in like these Indiana Jones type things or mystery or horror. Right. Like you can do different types of stories with him. Yeah, definitely. And you know, that's one thing that this uh, the solo series hasn't done a whole lot of yet, and so it's it's pretty cool to see something a little different because, like I said, this this is not completely out of left field in that it still kind of has a lot of similarity in tone to Claremont, but the uh, the subject of the story is very different. So it's, it's yeah. a cool little kind of, I'm going to take what's been established in this series and just kind of do a little something different with it. It's pretty cool. So anyway, on to number 15, which is Homecoming. And we're back to Glennis Oliver on the colors. Uh, this cover by Kevin Nolan is... Not my favorite, but it's not bad. We have a, well, from the cover, you don't know whether it's a fake or a real vampire. About to bite a lady on the neck and Wolverine running up to him. Um, I didn't just notice, and I don't know why I'm, I'm this slow that it just now occurred to me, but the Wolverine's pose on this cover is what was used. They used a mirror image of that for the letterbox. Yeah, because the arm is a different always oh, yeah, right. Yeah, but it's, it's it's by Kevin Nolan. It's the same face, same pose. It's just it's just flip flopped. Like different leg is down, different arms out. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. It's literally mirrored. Yeah. And is it just me or does the vampire cut like Robert Smith from The Cure? <laughs> it's Friday. I bite your neck. Um, or it looks kind of like the Robert Smith from South Park, at least. Oh, yeah, before he turns into Mothra. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Um, 
Yeah, so not, I don't know, not not my favorite of the covers, but not bad. It definitely kind of has like an old horror feel to it with a close-up on the woman's face and her kind of anguish and horror-stricken face, so. Yeah, it's an okay one, but yeah, I agree, it's not the best of the covers. You know what's weird? I'm gonna, this is going to be a weird thing to say. My favorite part about the cover is all the stuff behind Wolverine. Oh, the background? Yeah, the knocked over trash cans, the buildings, the two little street lights. Like, that's my the, like the brick wall. Yeah. Yeah, that's my favorite part. Um, which <laughs> probably is an afterthought by Nolan. But um anyway, number well, fifty Oh sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say it's that good bad thing. I mean it's good because it means he's you know, he's good, he makes that look realistic, but it's bad because you're like, We got a vampire biting the girl and Wolverine running at him. Ooh, look at the garbage can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> what they throw away? What do they have there? Right. Yeah. Uh, see some McDonald's. Um, or some McMadrapor. I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, it's Marvel. I think it was called McBurgers. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. If I remember my New Mutants War correctly. Um, I actually remember that because one of the early books I had. What we said before, I was talking originally about like getting a couple issues, you know, like from people. Was Secret Wars two number one? Oh, ooh. So I, I always I'm remember them t- talking about McBurgers. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Secret Wars two number one has been my first comic book. I would not still be reading comics. <laughs> I don't know. I was really curious. I remember that was like one of the early ones. I'm like, who are all these people? Who's this? Right. I don't know yeah. who that is, but who are That's... the new mutants? Like, I think I read an issue of New Mutants. I'm like, I know who Cannonball is, but like, who are these? What's what are they doing? And like, why are they not together? Why are they in this little arena? They're working with Magneto. Wait, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. No, it was definitely a nice, diverse cast. That was that was a good thing about all those old Marvel events. You saw lots of different characters. Yeah, but, but I digress from Secret Wars too, because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, anyway, Wolverine number fifteen. Uh, Wolverine returns to Madripoor to break up the police from assaulting Lindsay. The cops warn him. Suspicions of a connection to the Gehenna Stone. Oh, wait. can't read my own handwriting. The cops give him a warning. Uh, with suspicions of a connection to the Gehenna Stone, Wolverine switches to Patch and goes to the Princess Bar. Here, he finds that Lindsay is already there, kicking O'Donnell on the junk before storming out. Patch and O'Donnell catch up with Archie, and Bert tries to get himself a working girl, but finds some faux vampires instead. The master is in Madripoor as well. O'Donnell reveals he gave his piece of the stone to the prince's goons. Jessica Drew um, saves Bert and the hooker from the fake vamps. The police storm the prince's bar looking for the gym. A uh, great fracas ensues until uh, Patch figures out it's uh, part of the Gehenna Stone making people crazy. And that the prince has it and that's all bad news. Everyone heads to the palace where Bale is just hanging out with the prince, but unfortunately not playing basketball with Charles Murphy. No. I'm sorry, Charlie Murphy. I don't know why I said Charles. That's weird. Um, Charlie Murphy, rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. And Prince, rest in peace. Yes. Um, Yeah, so... I really... First of all, I thought it was funny that... um, the editor-in-chief credit was bossed by Tom DeFalco. Yeah. <laughs> but also, I love this opening page. It's fantastic. It's a dark, shadowy, 
Wolverine on a tile roof. Just this, yeah. That what? almost doesn't look like though. I mean, I, that almost looks like uh, the Wolverine miniseries. Yeah, Miller. Yeah, like it 80s does. 80s Miller. I could see that for sure. Very reminiscent of the miniseries. And uh, same kind of posing and paneling we got from that miniseries as well. So, yeah, they're... Uh... And this is where it actually comes useful for him that he's been called Patch. They have no clue who the hell Wolverine is. Right, yeah. He actually has a secret identity here. Like, he yeah. can do shit as Wolverine and no one's going to know. <laughs> yeah, he's just some weird guy in a costume. Uh, co- sorry, a costume imbecile. As yes. the police call him. I do like that one panel where the guy has the baton. He just says like, ah, you missed. And then the baton falls apart because he sliced it open. Yeah. So that obviously reminded me. Um, so my introduction to comic books in general, as I've you know said on here before, was the Marvel G.I. Joe series. And, you know, being a kid reading G.I. Joe, obviously, like most kids, um, my favorite character was Snake Eyes. And there's a scene where yes. he's when uh so there's a part in the series that was right around this time uh, where Storm Shadow quits Cobra and tries to um um what's it called when you reform yeah reform um rehabilitate himself um oh yeah yeah now was it the first time the second time third time ah uh, who who knows. <laughs> Anyway, they're trained together, and um, they're trying... At, this is also the point where Cobra Commander's son, Billy, who, by the way, also has an eye patch, um, is also uh, trying to kind of turn over a new leaf, and Snake Eyes is training him. And Snake... They have, like, this fighting dummy, and Snake Eyes takes his katana and slices at it, and nothing happens. And Billy's like, how can you train me? You can't even slice the, the, the thing. The snake eye stops on the floor and the top of the dummy falls off. And it's like, that reminded me of this. Like he, he slices so fast that, <laughs> that the guy's like, oh, nothing happened. And then everything falls apart. It's really great. Yeah. There's like a minute. It's like one of those scenes. I don't know if there's a movie. Or, I've seen something where like somebody gets like beheaded and like they start talking and all of a sudden they stop and the head falls off. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, you missed it. You did it. <laughs> Poof. Thud. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, that was a lot of fun. I like that panel there. Yeah. And then when he switches back to Patch, that panel of him walking through the street just looks, all three of those panels look great. Oh, yeah. Definitely has the atmosphere and mood that they're going for with this tree. Yep. Then um, O'Donnell and McCabe have their fight. It's all pretty fun. Um, we get a one claw snicked as a. Um, Patch tells Archie to lay off. Yeah. Uh, Wait your turn. Yeah. Yeah. Have a lot of recap in this issue as well. Um, yeah, they really did much recap in these series. I mean, they did a little bit, but it's not really very heavy with it. No, it's not too bad. No, no, not not as bad as it could be in this time period for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. But yeah, then you know, lots of fighting, lots of good stuff. Um, I thought it was weird. Uh, first time we kind of learned a Wolverine skill as a sketch artist. Yeah. Oh, that's and you're right. This is the issue where everything actually comes out about the whole. Okay, oh, tell you, oh, you're Wolverine. 
<laughs> joke every five panels. Yes. Yeah. They really, they really go to town on that part. And just how silly the eye patch was. Yeah. But he puts it back on as they head to yeah. the palace. Well, oh, to be fair, Jessica's the one who knew. She just told Lindsay who told O'Donnell. Right, that's true. So, they weren't oh. smart enough to figure it out themselves. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, so they didn't know, but then again, they never met Wolverine. Uh, McKay yeah. might have in San Fran. I don't remember. But but yeah, O'Donnell uh, would not know. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. Very true. Actually, I'm comic book DB here up here real quick. I'm just looking up Lindsay because I have no idea where she appear if she first appears here or not. I know she was in the Spider Woman series. Oh, you're right. Yes, Spider Woman, Spider Woman, Spider Woman, Spider Woman. Okay, never mind. I thought maybe she was introduced in. Uh... No. And she was. Oh, she was in those issues of X Men two hundred three and two hundred six when they were in San Francisco. So, okay, yeah. So she probably had an idea, or at least she met him. Right, at least had a passing reference to him anyway. Um, yeah, and so then we get the twist that uh, Bale and the Prince are teaming up. So, what else you got for this issue? Anything else you want to point out? Uh, let's see, what was I wanted to think. For some reason, I imagine the Prince is something else. I don't know why. <laughs> He's basically like looking the, different. Yeah. Well, his his first introduction, he's a little more uh, hair metal. He has some tiger stripes in his costume and um, a little more sashing and a little more uh, popping of the collar. He's a, he's a little subdued in this portrayal. Um, he actually looks a bit like a cross between Marvel's Dracula and Rachel Ghoul. A little bit, yeah. I, I can see the race for sure. Especially the outfit. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. And also, actually, I was a little shocked in here when Art when Bert's fighting off the vampire, and he's saved by Jessica. And I don't know if this is the ever. Ha- I mean, has this been established before? She kills those guys. She shoots them. They dead. Oh yeah. I didn't. You know, it didn't really register to me that that would be something weird. But I don't know if she's really killed a lot of people before on page. So I guess Wolverine's rubbing off on her. Yeah, and I mean, well, she is now not a superhero anymore. She's right. just a uh, somewhat powered private investigator. Right. Oh, I just noticed that really pathetic-looking dog by the lamppost when uh, when Jessica Drew and Bert are running away. Right above the panel before we get the big fight in the princess bar. Yeah, like there's a really puppy. Just, just like malnourished-looking. Like, I want to... I Rescue him. <laughs> yeah. I was distracted by Bert running because that that's funny. That's hilarious, yes. Because <laughs> he's not doing the... She's doing the regular, like what you expect, like forward running. He's kind of like leaning back, holding his hat on. Right. Which, by the way, when did he and Pat start dressing exactly alike? Well, yeah. They have all well, the same be- pants, same jacket, same hat. Well, because they already had Patch showing up in the beginning of the story, dressing up as Indiana Jones. And True. he, of course, was thinking he was Indiana Jones. Right, yeah. Now, all right, I got time out. I got to look. Have they been dressed the whole, same the whole time? I think so. Yes, they have. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yep, I'm a smart one. Why couldn't they redo the twins cover like they did with the Hulk with the two of them? 
I want to see that. Oh, they Kevin should have one of these parts. Did that cover again? Yes. Oh my goodness, that would have been fantastic. <laughs> All right, fan of the show, uh, somebody draw draw that up for me. Send me a and picture. I like. Yes, draw that. I want to see that. But and I like the panel right below that one with the dog and Bert running with the uh, three of them fighting the police. Yeah, that's a fantastic panel. That's a cool action panel. Yeah, that like those kind of things make you almost want to be like in a bar fight or something until <laughs> you probably would actually get into a bar fight and go, "Oh right. my god, I've been stabbed and I got the crap kicked out of me." It right. Sucks. Yeah. Um, my nose. <laughs> yeah. Can someone put my steak in the blender so I can drink it? Because I have no teeth. <laughs> Because that's what would happen to me. Yeah, exactly. But you see this, and you're like, yeah! And then you're like, oh, wait, no, that's not what happened. I'm not O'Donnell. I'm not, definitely not Wolverine. I'm not O'Donnell or Archie. I'm not even Bert. <laughs> <laughs> In this fight, I'd be the dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll curl up under a table somewhere. Let me know when it's over. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Yes. Well, the art again is fantastic. Um, the story was still really good. This was the first issue, and here we are in part five, the penultimate issue. The first one that started to feel a little bit fillery. Like maybe they didn't really need six parts, and this one has a little bit less to do. Like the action in it is still really good. I don't know. Maybe I'm misjudging it. What did you think? No, it is a little stretch out. Like at this point, they're like, okay, we had a five part story, but we have to stretch it a bit to six. Right. Or even like, you know, because, yeah, it's a bit stretched here. And I think, I'm trying to remember, I'll see when I go back over the next issue. I thought the next one was a bit stretched too. Almost like they took the beginning and end and split it into two issues. Yeah. Yeah, I just, it just, it felt like this one, there was still good action wasn't as witty. I felt it just didn't quite have the same energy as the first four parts to me. I don't know what it was. I can't really quite put my finger on it, but it just didn't seem quite as exciting. Yeah, I mean, I did like the joke of the Wolverine thing because I'm actually looking at one of the pa- the panel where uh, I'm looking at the page where Archie bursts, bursts in on O'Donnell's office and Wolverine pops the claw on him. And I like that. He says, Imagine, most folks in Madripoor have aliases. You think Tiger Tiger is her real name? <laughs> and then a nice thing for here, if you you think O'Donnell is mine? Yeah, yeah. I actually meant to point that out. That is an interesting little thing. Now, I don't I'm know like, if okay, that ever comes cool. back. Like, I don't know if that has a payoff anywhere. Or they're just kind of a throwaway reference. But Yeah, I, I mean, guess it depends how long Peter David writes the series. Or right. if anyone else decides to think about, you know, use what he did. But I do like that even though he's making he's using that as a joke, he's using that actually, I mean, as far as we know, to advance something, you know, to do something story-wise or character-wise. Right, yeah. I didn't even think about that. That's a good point. Now, I like how Wolverine's all grumpy. He's got his arms crossed, smoking a cigarette. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I can't believe I did it. I was like, you're wearing an eye patch. <laughs> it's like, it's not like you're even blending in. You're fine to beat the hell out of most people and your hair. Right, yeah, yeah, the hair. <laughs> and to make matters worse, when Archie walks in, in case we don't know that Archie knows or not, he pops his claw. Right. <laughs> well, at this point, the gig's up, right? I know, but it's like, 
if he's done that before, then yeah. Unless everyone he popped his claw, who saw him pop his claw got killed by it. Right. Right. But like I said before, though, to be fair, the only one who knew was Jessica. She told the rest of them. <laughs> now, obviously, everyone knew who the X-Men were because this was shortly after, you know, they died and they were on the news and everyone they were. They saw them. So everyone knew who Wolverine was for the most part. Right. You know, he was famous. But maybe that was like, okay, look, this guy just, you know, died or whatever happened to him and saved the world. If he's back and people wants to pretend he's not himself, whatever. Yeah. We're cool. It's yeah. Madripoor. You got money. I don't care. But also to that to that point too, though they all act like I don't know. They all kind of take it and run with it. Like, oh yeah, of course, of course we all knew. What are you talking about? Like, even though yeah. Jessica did tell them, they don't give him the satisfaction of of knowing that only one person figured it out. They're just like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. duh. Well, you can have something over him. You gotta right. have something. I mean, for the most part, it's what you know. If he gets into if you know, a fight, he's gonna stab you. <laughs> right, by punching right. you <laughs> you know he punches you in the face and gets a little ticked off next you know you got claws sticking out your chin you know you inside <laughs> your mouth yep awesome well what would you like to grade Wolverine number 15 uh, like we said there was a lot of good stuff it just there was a little bit of felt like okay now what yeah. it's almost like they got here and now it's like well now what are we doing it's like they didn't move the so that does knock it down a bit. I'm giving this one a four. Okay. It's still it's a lot of good stuff, but it's like, oh, the first four parts were so, you know, we got we're going here, we're going here, we're moving it along, moving it along, and then it's like, and we're hanging out. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of waffle between a three and a four. I think I'll settle on four out of six claws, which is going to bring us to our finale, Wolverine number 16 which is Electric Warriors, all the same credits. Um, again, the cover by Kevin Nolan. What's on the cover, Al? This is kind of a, again, all these covers are very much like a very stark background for the most part, like one color. This is kind of gray. It's Wolverine looking a little kind of 80s indie artist, like a little bit of Jim Mahfoud in there almost. Yeah. Fighting, I don't know, purple, half-naked men. I'm not sure if they're supposed to be ghosts. They look or... like ghosts, don't they? Yeah, they look like purple-colored ghosts. Yeah. But I'm not really sure because they're like react because it looks like he's slicing at them, but it almost looks like it's go his claws are going through them like they are ghosts, but it seems like they're reacting to it. Yeah, that's weird. This might be my least favorite cover. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not as good as the first few for sure. Uh, the fins on the cow get even a little bit taller than previously. Um, yeah. Pretty extreme at this point, which is, you know, not necessarily bad. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's definitely the most. The neck is weird. Yeah. And very his thick. His neck's like as big as his head. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's long, and but not long and skinny. It's like long and just super beefy. Uh, and it looks like it's sticking out the front of his chest, not the top of his yeah. torso. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. Almost a, um, almost like if I'm, uh, oh shoot, uh, drawing a blank. Um, Captain America, dude. Arnim Zola. Arnim Zola. Like if his face came out, right? 
Yeah. 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 It kind of looks like he's supposed to be drawing him hunched, but he didn't draw the body hunched, just the neck and head. Right. <laughs> yeah, the body's straight up. <laughs> so the body's straight up, but the neck and head is like coming out the front of his chest. It's like, dude, what happened to you? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> you got broken and you've healed wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> the healing factor was too fast. <laughs> yeah. And and they aren't ghosts. They have very gross nipples and belly buttons. Yes. But um, anyway. That's right. Yeah, it's very noticeable, especially the belly, especially that guy in the front. He yeah. actually kind of looks like he's dancing. He kind of does. Yeah. Do 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 do. Ghost um, Wolverine dance party. Yep. Well, based on the title of this one, Electric Warriors, I kind of want to call it Electric Warriors Two, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, man. All right. Well, how does our story end? Okay. Well, it looks like it's all done by the same people as before anyway. Yeah. And Wolverine, because we've been calling him Wolverine now, so even if he's out of costume, we're still going to call him Wolverine now because it's been established. Right. So Wolverine, Captain Ty, O'Donnell, and Archie are attacked by a group of the fake vampires as they're on their way to the palace to warn the prince. And while the others are distracted during the battle, Logan uses the opportunity to slip away and change into costume. Because I guess the Captain Ty does not know he's Wolverine, so I guess he has to keep his identity from somebody. It's kind of funny. It's like Spider-Man. But anyway, we'll get to that later. Yeah. And at their destination, the prince is telling Jessica that he and Baal are negotiating for the piece of the Gehenna Stone that the prince has. Now, she's trying to explain to the prince how dangerous and wrong this is, but doesn't work. Luckily for her, Baal sucks at negotiating and starts to threaten the prince when his <laughs> offer is not automatically accepted. And the prince's soldiers attempt to remove Baal from the premises, but that goes about as well as you would expect. Baal then is able to get the stone, even though the prince's assistant, Johan, had swallowed it. Yep, it's gross. Yeah, yeah. Then, then the fake Empire Horde attacks. Then Wolverine joins the fight. Yay! And in another room, while that fight's going on, Baal has completed the Gehenna Stone and starts gaining power. His followers also become real vampires. And while the rumble rages on, he and Wolverine fight there on their own, with Baal seeming to act, act towards Wolverine as if he was actually his ancient enemy, the Hand of God. And Baal seems to have gained the upper hand, but loses the stone thanks to Bert's bullwhip. And Because Bert, Bert had got to the castle courtesy of a stolen jeep. I'm assuming it's stolen. It Directions from a right? prostitute. Yeah. Which I'm pretty sure was a prostitute, at least. Yeah. <laughs> that one I'm pretty sure of. The Jeep, I'm guessing he stole it. Wolverine is, however, unable to grab the stone, and he fumbles that. Ball picks it back up and uses it to blast Wolverine directly. And relying on instinct or a higher power or whatever, Wolverine strikes wildly and shatters the stone, and then he's able to stab Bial. O'Donnell, Archie, and the captain finally arrive just to see part of that wall explode and Wolverine and Bial fall out. And after filming a Disney commercial about 30 years earlier than he's owned by them, Wolverine finds Bell's body, and he's finally... And later on, Archie, Jessica, and he's Patch again, have a drink at the Princess Bar and speculate if Bell was perhaps the descendant of the original, then maybe the descendant of his original enemy was the one to defeat him. And since this is still the 80s, they don't come out and say that it was Wolverine alive back then, too. So, thankfully. Oh, wow, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Because <laughs> if it was now, it would be Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> and 
Archie finally shows real, you know, actually just shows concern about his brother as opposed to just annoyed concern. Because right. his Bert vanished right after the battle. Wolverine isn't concerned, though, considering what he saw Bert capable of. And in the epilogue, we're at a casino in Monte Carlo. A new player has blo- broken the bank playing blackjack. His name? Bond. James Bond. Yeah. Maybe no, it's Bert. Yeah, he looks just like Bert. <laughs> no, it's Bert, really. <laughs> no, I kind of want to see a middle-aged African-American play James Bond now. It's kind of like the way Bert's strong. And I don't th- this, think this is before he got the stomach stapling and lost the weight. Um, <laughs> oh, God, the, the weather guy. Oh, um, uh, Al. 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 Not, Rick. Rick something? I don't know. Oh, shoot. Hold on one second. You're going to drive me crazy. I got to Google it now. I'm going to look it up. I'll right back. Hold on. I asked somebody. Roker. Al Roker. Oh, Roker. Which, um, well, he's, he's looking for that. If you haven't heard Lewis Black go off on Al Roker, it's a very, very funny bit. Very uh, profane, right? So not for the, not for the faint of heart, but... It's really funny. Al Roker. Yep, yep. I was just explaining to the the listeners that if they haven't ever heard Lewis Black go off on Al Roker, it's worth looking up. I haven't either, so I might have to. Yeah. But yeah, that's who should have played Burt, Al Roker. <laughs> and that would even be make him more awesome, the stuff he does. Yeah, yeah. Or a young James Earl Jones can do it. Yeah. But so that's the issue. That's how the story ends. Yeah. I really thought because I, I was trying to remember and um so one of the things I meant to say at the beginning of the show. Um you know, when I got into to to Wolverine and buying Wolverine, it was pretty close to that fifty mark. because um, like you, um, Al, I originally said, Well, I, I have Wolverine and the X Men, I need to buy other stuff, so I'm not going to buy the Wolverine series. And I eventually was like, oh, you know, I really, I really love Wolverine. I'm going to do it. So when we were growing up and I'll, how, you don't have to say your exact age if you don't want to. I don't know. Some people are weird about that. But um, anyway, I'm, I'm going to be 39 this year. So when I was a kid, back issues oh, were, what's up? I'll be 42. Okay, cool. Yeah. So we're pretty close. So, um, so you probably yeah, had well, a similar experience. Yeah. When we were kids, at least from the popular series, back issues were not cheap. Right now, you can kind of get stuff kind of wherever, you know, even some of the kind of more famous series you can get on eBay pretty pretty reasonably. Um, but back then, oh, yeah. Wolverine back issues were mega expensive. And so I was able through my allowance and mowing lawns and stuff to kind of gradually buy some. So I eventually got the first 10. But it wasn't until much later that I went back in and filled the gaps. And so this is actually my first time to ever read this story was for the podcast. Um, and, you know, doing this read through. Um, so I don't know how much longer the patch thing holds up. I don't think because after this is the, the return of John Byrne, I don't think he does much with it. So I really kind of thought when... Wolverine and Bale fell off the cliff and Peter David was going to kind of make him like disappear 
So when they showed back up in Madripoor, I was a little surprised because I thought that was going to kind of be the clean break for the next story. Because uh, actually, I'm looking up on like Hump B, B, like the characters, there's like for a lot of these characters, like Archie, O'Donnell, Lindsay, there's like a jump before you see them again. Yeah, yeah, because I don't think John Byrne really uses much of Madripoor or any of this stuff. So, or at least not the cast. I think Wolverine still does stuff in Madripoor, but. Byrne really focuses on him as an individual, which which Claremont did as well, but Claremont really filled out the supporting cast, which, you know, is a Claremont thing to do. Um, yeah, and Peter David, if he had kept on writing it, he might have moved him away, but he, at least, like, especially, like, based on Hulk and other things, like Supergirl and stuff I read of his, he, at least, if he moves you away from the supporting cast, you know you are. It's not just, okay, they're gone. Right, yeah. Like, it's part of the story. You know, these people leaving the hero's life is part of the story. Yeah. You know, so at least if you enjoyed that kind of era, you know it's going away because you know they're not going to see them anymore. Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. do you prefer? I, yeah. I, I always got annoyed when I was reading stuff. Like, well, what the hell happened? Where where'd they all go? Right. <laughs> they're just suddenly not there anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty annoying. Um, <laughs> so... So I, uh, it's pretty gruesome, but I love that the prince had Johan swallow the stone fragment, and I also love that Bale rips it out of his stomach. Yeah. Like, it's, I mean... It's pretty gross, but it's pretty awesome. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's gross, but, like, damn, that was pretty cool. If he's like, I know where it is. I'm just going to get it out of you. <laughs> but going back real quick, I, I'm very amused by the fact that because the captain's there, it's like a very Spider-Man thing. Yes. You know, I'm gonna go call this into the bugle. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And then the little clothes hanging on the branches, I thought was funny. Yeah, because we know what happens. And it's kinda of funny, it's like after all the thing of like last gotta go, and these really play no part in the end. Which is fine for for um O'Donnell and uh Captain, but you know, art you got Jessica, Bert, and Wolverine there at that final battle. Right. Archie's not even part of it. And he was like part, you know, he's like the, I thought those were going to be the four main. Yeah. Yeah. He's been, he's been part of the team from the, from the beginning of the story, but he does, he misses all the, he misses the climax. Yeah. I thought that was a little weird. I, negotiation scene. <laughs> that isn't really funny. The, uh, <laughs> You're like, oh, we're not really negotiating. I'm just trying to make you feel good. <laughs> He's like, fine, screw you. He's like, well, screw you. Right. Uh, we'll we'll see who wins this one. Um, so at least Jessica got what she wanted. I mean, okay, I didn't convince him he was, he was wrong, but he doesn't like the guy anymore, so he's not. Gonna so that's what shouts <laughs> until right. he takes it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And poor Jahan. Yeah, Johan Johan gets it pretty rough. Pretty rough. Um, yeah. I yeah, I'm pre- I'm with you. I'm pretty sure Bert stole the Jeep because he did, he saw Wolverine steal like three or four cars, so you know. I'm sure yeah. he followed suit. I love the Pacal as Wolverine crashes through this wall. Um it's a really great panel. Oh yeah, oh yeah, the that sound effect the Pacal. Yep. It's pretty awesome. Anyone ever glad to see me? <laughs> and see that—that's one of the parts where Wolverine, or where uh, Peter David's humor really works. 
I thought that was really funny. And there's nice, like, Busima does these, he's always great, he's done this of Conan, of hordes of fighting one or two people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without making it look, like, wrong, though. Because sometimes some people draw that and you're like, there's no way. But he makes it look like, you know, the way people fall over each other and stuff like that, it looks, you know, somewhat legit. Yeah, like they're getting in each other's way. Yeah. So, it is nice, and then... Yeah, Wolverine picks a guy's nose with his claws. Yeah, (laughs) I like that one. Ouch. Yeah, yeah, that's not not an itch I want. I don't want Wolverine scratching my itches. (laughs) Um, I thought, and and maybe this goes back to kind of Conan days too as well, I'm not sure, but... um, I thought on uh, the page where Bale, where Bale repossesses the body from the stone, like that close-up of his face was appropriately ugly. Oh, God, yeah, that's very disturbing, and there's something wrong there, and not human. Yeah, yeah, the stuff of nightmares. Um, he was great-looking beforehand, but there to him. Right. Um. All right, so... What do you think about this kind of analog of the hand of God to Wolverine? Eh, it's fine. It kind of goes along with the story, anyway, this type of story. And they, like I said, they don't come right out. They don't, for one thing, it's like I said, it's the 80s. So they don't say Wolverine himself because he's really 5 billion years old. <laughs> right. Or whatever, you know. So that wasn't him. And it's just a speculation. If he was a descendant, maybe not. Yeah. No, we can't say for So I'm fine with it because it's a little ambiguous. You don't have to believe it is. Right. But, you know, yeah. he could have an ancestor. You know, could have been an ancestor. Right. And just a weird comparison. And then a weird thing happens where Wolverine prays, which seems a little out of character for him. Um because he says, not the light, easy hope to God this works praying, but an earnest, sincere plea for a higher being to guide my hand. Um, I don't know, like something you see Nightcrawler do, maybe, or for sure. But, I don't know, it seemed a little weird for Wolverine. To, to yeah, that's a little off for I mean, that's a little weird for him. I mean, Bial seems dangerous, as dangerous as some of the other things that he's dealt with. Right. Yeah, I but don't. I'm trying to also remember how much stuff he's dealt with on his as opposed to level. Eh, I mean, some pretty scary stuff. I mean, if nothing else, the Dark Phoenix, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, but that's with the team. He had them with him. True. This is him. Yeah. You know, Pops isn't there to tell him what to do. Storm's not there to be in charge. <laughs> or, you know, Batcaller's not there to port him out of it. You know, he doesn't have any of the rest of them. That's true. That's a, a valid point. I mean, that's not a thing. It, it still seems a little weird for him to do that. Right. Um, that's a little weird. I mean, that would make more sense as a panel of the Bray Hulk and kind of say, like, maybe Banner. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, that would there more, because that's a character that I wouldn't do it either, but you could Banner and Hulk maybe cause Wolverine a little less. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So... Um, Wolverine, they fall off the cliff. Wolverine crawls out of the water and out of breath says, I'm going to Disney World. 
And I'm glad yeah. I'm glad the story was almost over because I was almost out at that point. <laughs> I was like, nope. I'm like, okay. Nope. <laughs> I do like that last panel of the dead ball body just kind of in the sand. Yeah, it's great. It's creepy looking. And the one of, of him rising out of the water right before he dies, fantastic looking. Yeah, it's like Jason. He's back still. <laughs> right. Yeah. But nope, he dead. Or, yeah, mostly dead. Yep. And I thought it was a satisfying way to see Bert kind of go off and move to his next movie character. thought that made sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it doesn't matter whether or not his sister got all the money because he broke the bank. That's so he's true. fine. He's, yeah, he's good to go. Let, let the sister do what she wants. Um, yeah. Yeah. So again, art was great. Story was really fun. Um, Hand of God thing was a little weird, but I thought overall a pretty satisfying ending. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and grade this one and then do some general thoughts. Uh, what do you want to give Wolverine number 16? I'm going to do the same as the last one, a four, because I agree with what you said, but like, you know, good art. Pretty sad. It felt like two of them. Like, instead, they didn't need two full issues. They needed one slightly larger issue right, to finish it off. And they could have cut a lot of the fat off in the middle, some, of, some of the fat of this one and a lot of the fat of the other one, put it together, and it would have been better. Yeah. But because of that, they were both pretty good, but it did a bit of disappointment at the end. Like, the last two parts felt a little bit disappointing after the first four. Yes. Yeah, I'd agree so with that. They're not horrible. So I'm going to go the same as I get. Since I get the last one a four, I'm going to give this one a four. All right. Well, I'm right there with you. Four out of six claws for me. Um, cool. All right. So Jenna Stone affair overall. Words and just kind of overall. I know we're going a little long here, so I won't keep you too much longer. But just some overall general thoughts. Uh, it was a pretty good one. I, I, I enjoyed it. So I'm looking. I was looking at Marvel Limit. So I'm probably going to check out the first ten. I mean, I know it's not Peter David. It's oh, it different. Is, it's going to, and, and, uh, is it John Buscema and Bill Sienkiewicz drawing it at least? Um, I don't remember when Sienkiewicz jumps on board. It's, it's Buscema the whole way through, except for number nine, which is uh, Peter David and uh, um, uh, uh, the DC guy. What's his name? Um, I can't remember. Um, not Gil. I keep wanting to say Gil Kane. That's not right. It's, um, uh, well, let's see. I got it right here. Let's see. I mean, I'm um, comic D. Gene Colan. Gene Colan. That's the guy. Yeah. Ooh. I like Gene Colan. Gene uh, Colan's the guy who drew Tomb of Dracula. I love Gene Colan. I, I, that issue was not his best. Uh, okay. <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, it, it was a weird kind of filling issue that didn't Whoa. Really... What? I'm looking at the thing for that issue. It's saying the cover is Gene Colan and Matt Wagner. Uh, Matt Wagner did the back cover. Uh, the, the, oh. first, the first ten issues have back covers. Like, like oh, little, like Excalibur did back then. Yeah, like a pinup gallery, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, I, wanna look, I wonder if that's a Marvel Limited. I want to see that. I mean, Matt Wagner. I mean, oh, it's great. Grindle, Mage. It's I mean, fantastic uh, pinup. He's, oh, he's, he's on my list of like favorite covers. Oh, cool. So... Yeah. So if he did that, I'm actually looking for it right. I want to go skip to nine right now. I just want to skip through just to get to the end. <laughs> well, anyway, I do want to apologize to um 
one of our our longest, most vocal listeners, uh, Pat, who um, who always has a lot of great things to say for the podcast, and has been on the show before too. Has been a great guest. Um, anyway, uh, he's probably gonna be a little disappointed in this episode because he actually suggested that I skip this story. <laughs> And whatever reason, just really, really doesn't like it. So I apologize, Pat, because I had, I mean, it wasn't a perfect story. And I can understand, um, you know, I'll say this. However you feel about Peter David in general is probably how you're going to feel about this story. Because it hits, it's kind of Peter David in full effect, right? Like, it's very Peter David-y. Um, so, it is, but I've definitely read stories of his that have ended a lot better. I'll say yes, that. yes, that is very true. Um, but yeah, but just as far as the tone and stuff, so if you don't like him, you're not going to really like this probably very much. But I, no. since I do like him um, most of the time, I found this to be really fun. And, uh, you know, like Al said earlier in the episode, like this could be just a really fun action movie. And you know, I guess the only thing you could say maybe, you know, maybe that Pat might have a have a point is that it doesn't really have to be Wolverine, right? Um, no, no, this could really fit in a lot of characters who have that. Doesn't have that. Yeah, more or less that power instead of being strong and agile. Right. You know, Spidey could have been in it. You know, just been less killing. Yeah. Right. Captain America. You know, most. Yeah, not a Wolverine. Wolverine. Right. Would have it take place somewhere else, but Madripoor. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not germane to him, but. But Al, you had a good point earlier too, though. You know, kind of like Batman, it's kind of fun sometimes to see these stories that don't, quote unquote, have to be Wolverine because it's fun that he's the type of character that you can kind of plug into different situations. So it's kind of a, a two-sided coin there that, yeah. Yeah, it all depends on what you like. I mean, right. you know, if you only like your, go with it, if you like your, what I said before, the, the first one, like Batman doing urban crime, you know, Beat him in Justice League because right. he's gonna fight supervillains in Darkseid. Yeah, yeah, and skip the skip the Grant Morrison Bat God run, right? <laughs> yeah, and if you, if you don't, if you like you know more, or, but if you like Batman doing you know that kind of stuff, then great, go read Justice League. Yeah, you know, but if you're looking for Batman fighting supervillains and not just fighting street crime, don't leave like certain runs of Detective where he's just doing you know urban crime and detective stuff. But some of them can work in different you know some characters. Can, more than one story, and some of them can work in a lot of different ones. Right. Yeah, and Wolverine is one of those. So, yeah, I thought just thought this was really, really high adventure, really fun, uh, pretty clever. You know, there there were you know a few times where the jokes fell flat, right? And that can be kind of annoying. You know, there's not, nothing really. Yeah. There's nothing worse than bad humor. But um, but no, for the for the overall for the six issue part with you know our comments about the last two. Aside, I, I really enjoyed myself reading this story. And oh, yeah. Well, overall, like the first four especially were really good, and the last two were pretty okay. Yeah, yeah, so not, not too bad. I can't really complain too much because I've read a lot of comics that at best were pretty okay for stories. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, for, you know, for the most part, half or more of it was really good. Yeah, yep. I agree. I'm, I'm and plus, your dollar amount will vary. You know, if you're spending buying back issues of this, and you're spending eight bucks each or whatever it costs, I don't know. Then right. I'm reading it on Marvel Unlimited. It's you know. Yeah, a little bit of difference, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So it all depends on what you're doing. You know, you right. spend, you know, you end up having to spend like twenty bucks in your own to get like you know one of these issues. You might be a bit disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I, I would agree with that. So awesome. Well, I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it, Al. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh yeah. Um, well, thank you for having me because that was fun to read. I enjoyed it a lot. Awesome. Well, as promised, why don't you give some uh some more information on where other other places people can find you and. Give me a listen, see your tweets, all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah. So, like I said, uh, the main place is uh, Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Benos Podcast. And the main page for that is the Tumblr page, resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. Uh, we also have a Facebook page. Just type in Adam Warlock or Thanos in the search box and Facebook. It's the thing that pops up. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Warlock Thanos Pod. Uh, we also. Actually, I have a new show starting up uh, thanks to uh, my friend's website that I'm working on, co- helping him with, called The Pop Culture Palace, which you can find at thepopculturepalace.com. And the promo for that show actually was released uh, as part of uh, the last episode I did of Adam Warlock, episode 60. It's uh, a new podcast for that website where basically it's kind of my idea of like all the other podcasts I want to do, but <laughs> time to. Right. I'm all going to put on the one feet together so I don't have to worry about getting all these ones out like on a schedule. Okay, that's a great idea. So we have three or four shows we're starting with that we're going to do a bit of rotating, and then we'll see how we go from there. A little shorter because I'm going to try and do weekly. Oh, wow. We'll see how that goes. Yes. But yeah, so they can find that at the Pop Culture Palace, and I'll have links to that coming up. Yep, so popculturepalace.com, guys. Check it out. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Anything else you wanna wanna throw out there? Um. Ah, that's enough. All right. Cool. And that's it right now. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, we'll keep you posted. Um, do you mind if I share your personal Twitter? Oh yeah, that one. Yeah, sure. I, they can go that. I mean, if they want a comic one, sometimes I can get a little personal or political or whatever on the personal one. So yeah, it depends if they care about you know. If they just want to, give, you know, if you go to the cat, the Adam Warlock feed, it's just going to be comic stuff. Cool. All right. Very cool. Well, at least tell me where Cash Flag comes from. Oh yes, that's right, because that's my gift. Cash Flag on Twitter. That is because people. That's right. Um, it was a couple of years ago, and we were watching, my wife and I were watching TV, and we were watching Mystery Science Theater, three thousand on uh, Netflix. And one of the movies, and I think it was the crazy mix of people who became zombies. <laughs> the writer and director was named Cash Flag, and I'm just like, that is the most awesome name ever. It is. It sounds like a, it sounds like a comic book character. Like, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, yeah. It sounds like an action and, star. And I was playing Twitter at the time, so I'll, that's my new Twitter name. Nice. All right. Cool. Very so cool. yeah, if you want to, but that's up to you because, like I said, you know, that's my opinion. That's my own personal opinions and stuff and feelings. You, you know, not try to fight anybody, right? <laughs> yeah. But if you just want to, if you just want to go to stuff about comics and Adam Warlock and Thanos and other things associated with that and other comic stuff, then the Adam Warlock Thanos pod. That's just that. It's not going to have anything else, right? Because right. so, that's so, the place for it. It's not a political type show. So right, right. So everyone remember, you know, just because it's the internet, don't go trolling people. So, 
<laughs> so we leave our new friend Al alone. <laughs> don't, don't be me. Go listen to his podcast. Go read about comics. That's what you need to do. Um, awesome. Well, as usual for the podcast that goes snicked, you can like the Facebook page. Twitter is at snickcast. Um, website with show notes and stuff is uh, snickcast.podfeed.com. Um, yeah, Al, just thank you so much, man. I really enjoyed uh, getting a chance to talk to you. I've enjoyed hearing you on. I, I think I've heard you do. You've done some guests on some other podcasts as well, right? Uh, let's see. Uh, I've done an episode or two, issue episode two of Tales from the Long Box a while okay. ago. Okay, yeah. All right. Um, I know I, with uh, Caleb Gerard and Chris Mosby and Murray Fox, and they've also been on my show. And I know I did a couple episodes with uh, John M. Wilson of uh, when he was still doing the new 52 Adventures of Superman, when okay. he was doing the Road to Rebirth issues. Mm-hmm. We did those. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yep. And just recently, I was on an issue, uh, about two weeks ago, I was on an episode of Back to Oh, nice. And then there's another episode coming up that we recorded before this one, but it hasn't come out yet. That's on the, is that in the two, two freaks branch yes. of things? Awesome. Cool. Well, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed, um, listening to you before and getting a chance to, to kind of, uh, just, you know, I don't know, just go back and forth on Twitter and stuff and to finally get a chance to talk to you. It's been really fun. So, Oh, definitely. No, it's been enjoyable. It's been a blast. This yeah. was fun. So thank oh, you for having me on. I'll find somewhere else to stick you in, not too far down the road. So. Yeah, you never know. You might get dragged into something, too. Don't worry. Awesome. Cool. It's always fun to have somebody else to you know, just yeah. talk about comics. That's right. Exactly. That's the whole point of this. <laughs> exactly. So with that in mind, everybody, we will see you next time. Hugs and snicks. And until next time, bye-bye. Thanks, Al. No problem. Yeah, right. That was cool. All right. And snacked. Yes. <laughs>